Hey humans, welcome to Palin' Around, the official Uppercut podcast. Here we'll be focusing on video games, fandom, pop culture, and how they all interact through the internet. I'm your host, Jessica Howard, and with me, almost as always, is Uppercut's editor-in-chief, Ty. Ty, how are you today? Hello. Um, I'm good. I finished Ratchet and Clank, the new one today. Uh, oh, Rift yeah. Apart, that's what that's called. Uh, and that game slaps. And you can hear Andrew and I talk more about it uh, later in the month on that episode of this show. Oh, I'm so excited for that. I actually think that I am going to try to play it before we record that episode. Um, We'll see, though, because I'm really busy and I'm trying to do intergrade, too, or intermission, I guess. Uh, The Final Fantasy VII DLC. Oh, I was like, I don't know what you're saying, but okay. (laughs) No, I realized that. I'm like, that doesn't, I should probably explain that. Yeah, the Final Fantasy VII DLC, because I was like, binge playing Mass Effect to be ready for this, which, while like the first Mass Effect's not that long, um, the other ones are. And so that really ended up being. We can talk about it. Mass Effect 3 is so long (laughs) it's really long um so yeah if you if you've caught us talking about this uh this is a mass effect spoiler podcast you actually probably saw that um in the title that's generally how these things go um but we have a really cool special guest here to help us talk about mass effect legendary edition and that is bonnie q uh, Bonnie is a games writer specializing in esports and has bylines over at the Overwatch League website, ESPN Esports, Polygon, Fanbyte, and The Gamer. Uh, currently, Bonnie is a staff writer at Upcomer, meaning they work with Ty and therefore are, are already familiar with the true Uppercut experience. <laughs> I just want to okay. say for the record <laughs> that I am like so toned down compared to like <laughs> who I am currently at work i was gonna ask so like bonnie what's the tea about ty (laughs) i honestly i don't think there really is any um Mm. and that's just a testament to how well they've been doing tamping it down um (laughs) in the old work slack Mm. (laughs) well it's also like bonnie and i don't actually get to work together that much either because like we're just like on different schedules um but yeah, it's just I I only occasionally like roll into the staff slack to like roast our boss, and that's pretty much it. Mm. I mean, well, I think that's all you need to do, really, right? Yeah, I mean, that's our work culture. <laughs> I love that positive work culture. That's like you know, it's actually really funny. Ty is like you're like oh, I'm so calm in work slacks, and in like this past week, I have had two incidents in work slacks <laughs> where like I've said something and I'm like. I probably am such a dumbass and should not like talk like this in a work slack. Um, I called somebody at GameSpot who edited my story King. <laughs> That's to be fair, I like the GameSpot Slack, like this is probably a little too inside baseball, but the GameSpot yeah. Slack is very wild wild west. Like you can just truly Everybody do is so nice. Everybody a is lot super of, yeah. And they just let you be a wild person. Like <laughs> Gabe just approved so many terrible like leads from me that were either like really <laughs> stupid puns or just like borderline inappropriate. So shout out to him. He's a king. But yeah, I think that uh, Jordan like gave me edits or something on something. And uh, I-, I said, thanks, King. Not even thinking about it. <laughs> um, and then in my other Slack for Uprox, I was trying to type a... Uh, what uh nintendo switch indie games and i typed in nintendo switch undie games and sent that and i was like hmm that's a very different thing we're talking about gal gun now 
Um, but anyway, so no, that's kind of funny. I'm I'm glad that you like tone it down, Ty, and I am a menace. It's kind of a role reversal there. It's you know, it's a different staff culture. Yeah. Um, but Bonnie, how are you? How's it going? Um, good. I woke up just for this. Um because I'm in Hong Kong right now. It is 10 a.m. And I am drinking some Coke and it's, I will not use any adjectives to describe it. Um, if, if Coca-Cola wants me to describe their drink with adjectives, they need to sponsor me. Hmm. That's, That's fair. fair. Send them a sponsorship, Coke. Um, <laughs> also, so much funnier that it's 10 a.m. and you're drinking Coke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's actually a reason for that. And the reason is that the water supply is off right now. Mm, They're doing oh something my. with the pipes, so... Oh, so when I told you to make sure you have water before we started, I was I was really like poisoning you. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I honestly couldn't have had water before we started. Um, I just really loved the image of you just like waking up, grabbing a can of Coke and being like, time to talk about fucking Mass Effect. <laughs> well, that's actually eerily accurate to, to what I actually did when I got the Coke out of the fridge. So Perfect. And so... Bonnie, I believe that Ty, because Ty, you work with Ty up Upcomer, as we said. Um, you have not played Mass Effect, right? Like that's that's what they said. This well, they have now, but oh, this is yeah. their first time. Yes, that's what I meant. Sorry, I I phrased that very poorly. But yeah, so this was your first time <laughs> playing the trilogy. Yeah, it would have been really weird if you invited someone who had never <laughs> played Mass Effect on to do a spoiler cast about Mass Effect. But yes, um, I had never played the trilogy before. I. I decided to pick it up because the legendary edition came out um, mm. and I, I'd always thought about playing it because, you know, I'd played some, you know, Dragon Age games before, but unfortunately um, I do not like to play games that uh, look bad and Mass Effect is kind of old, so <laughs> it looks a little bit uh, janky, but really you know, bad. you shouldn't play Dragon Age Origins. It also looks really yeah. bad. That's why I haven't played Dragon Age Origins. But <laughs> I yeah, love that when game, the... but it looks like shit. Yeah, it it to be fair, it is an old game. But yeah, um, I decided to play Mass Effect because the remastered edition came out, and uh, I guess I'm glad I did. I, I enjoyed it, but um, also caused me to think a lot, and I don't like that. So yeah, no, that's that's fair. <laughs> I also don't like thinking, so I completely understand. <laughs> um, okay, and so, and then Ty, when did you first play Mass Effect? Because I know you and I both have already played it. What's kind yes. of your history with it? I have a weird history with it in that, like, I started playing it for the first time when I was, like, 17, which was back in, like, 2012-ish. Because um, a, a guy that I worked with at the pool when I was a lifeguard, like, talked me into it. Um, and I couldn't play one on my laptop, which was the only, like, gaming device I had at the time, uh, because the original Mass Effect ran, like, shit on PC for some reason. Um, so I did the Mass Effect 2 with the Genesis DLC, which, uh, they do not explain the context of those choices very well. Um, so I just kind of made a lot of, like, out-of-context decisions. Um, and then I tried playing three on that laptop, but it couldn't run it. So then I didn't end up trying three until 
uh, I was like in college and I was playing it on my PlayStation, but I didn't feel like doing a whole run. So I just like started Mass Effect 3, which is a mistake because if you do that, they kill everybody who can be killed and there's like no mm. one left in your game and it sucks ass. Which is so like I never a really finished. wild choice, I feel like, to just they, default they, to murder. Yeah, they explain it because they do it for Dragon Age and Mass Effect. And they explain it as like they they figure that if you're just like jumping straight in, they figure like you wouldn't have the context for like why those people are there or whatever. So they're just like, yeah, they're just gone. Yeah, yeah we're just not going to deal with it. Um, which is a choice that you yeah. can make. Um, I'm not a game designer, so I don't know the, like, <laughs> you know, technicalities of how that works, but yeah. it's strange. It is um, strange. I guess that kind of makes sense thinking about it, but, like, I don't know. It seems kind of weird. Yeah, so this is my first time taking a Shepherd all the way through one through three, though I have mm-hmm. played at least some of all of them. I, and I've beaten one and two before, and I've played two, like, five times because I used to really like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I'm very interested about the used to like it part. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there. It's, yeah, it's gonna okay. be a wild ride of a podcast, I'm sure. Um, I first played the Mass Effect trilogy. I think, like, basically when the third one came out. Um, yeah, because that would have been my like sophomore year of college, or yeah, that seems right. Um, and I played all three of them in the span of like a week. <laughs> Um, which is basically what I just did for this podcast. So I've I've done that like twice now. And uh, I fell in love with them. I thought they were super, super good. And so it was kind of, it was cool revisiting it and seeing like, because what, it's 2012, so almost a decade ago, um, seeing how I changed in a decade and how the game holds up, or I guess the games. Um, so yeah, it was, it's it was an interesting experience replaying these, but I figure what we'll do is we'll just kind of start from the first one and we'll work our work our way up. I can't talk today. I'm so sorry. Actually, um, yeah, before we move on with that, I actually wanted to say that you guys' experience with the game has sort of been like what I feel like a lot of people talking about the game now have experienced. Like they played the mm-hmm. the game for the first time when they were like a teenager. And then now as an adult revisiting it, they're like, oh, <laughs> I did not realize that this game was like this. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, growth that has happened for me as a human being in the past ten years (laughs) that, like, did not happen with that series at all. Yeah. Um, And a lot of the seams are very apparent in those ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting for me to sort of, like, experience it for the first time as an adult, um, who does not have any nostalgia for it the same way a lot of other people do. Um, so yeah, it's, I like to say it's kind of like looking into a time capsule of like what games of not only what games were like then, but also how people reacted to games then. Cause mm-hmm. like, I'm like playing through these scenes and I'm thinking like, how did no one ever bring this up? And Why did they never change any of this? Yeah. It's wild how much like, and you know, I think that part of it is like, a lot of the people who were in charge of like games media, right? Like aren't the type of people who would necessarily call a lot of things out. And then a lot of people who are kind of the new wave of that um, were all <laughs> between the ages of like 15 and 20. Um, so like, I don't know. I think that maybe there was just some growing up that needed to be done um, in the industry and just with 
the people who are playing those games. Well, and it's also, I think, like, who's allowed to be at the table now, right? Yeah. Like, I was yeah. listening to the, the Games Press podcast episode with Austin Walker, and he was talking about the fact that, like, you know, the industry has maybe not changed as much as he would hope or whatever, but, like, the fact that, you know, someone like Tamor, for example, over at GameSpot can be the EIC and talk openly about Palestine, right? Like, that would not have happened 10 years ago. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing with this, where it's like, I have an article coming out on VG247, presumably it will be out when this is out, talking about how, like, Shepard working with Cerberus reflects, like, people saying that, like, you know, right-wing extremists are okay, and that, like, you know, funding them and shit like that. And, like, that is not a thing that would have happened ten years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Read that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I'll promo. I'm gonna be a promoing harlot so you'll you'll see it <laughs> no i really do like that you brought that up bonnie because i feel like inadvertently it really is kind of a time capsule and reveals a lot about just like the state of games criticism and how it's changed over the past 10 years so it's it's a cool observation to make for sure um but i guess let's let's dig into it so i figure we will just start with the first mass effect because <laughs> That's probably the way to go about talking about this because it's a really big series, and I feel I like mean, that's also where the series starts. Yeah, so I feel like mm -hmm. chronologically is like kind of the best. <laughs> I don't know. There are some people who are like, let's talk about like the characters and the art. You know what I mean? But I feel like that you just really well, but gotta you just go. do that in <laughs> order of appearance, right? Yeah, I, that's what I would think. <laughs> Why are people wrong? Why are people doing this incorrectly? <laughs> Um, so let's talk about Mass Effect 1. Um, I kind of have like some general questions under each of the Mass Effect games, and then we can talk in particular about like certain planets or quests or like decisions that you made. Um, so my first question is, did y'all play Paragon or Renegade? Wait, should we question? Mm. Should we do like broad strokes? Here's the basic plot because you know there are people who didn't play it who are still gonna listen to this because they're weird. Mm. yeah i can do that i can, I can do, do it that. for the i can do it too if you want i'm just i'm just thinking about the weirds yeah if you if you want to recap go ahead all right so mass effect one is the easiest one because it's relatively simple and it's like i'm not going to remember the years correctly but like sometime <laughs> in the future humans finally figure out how to like do for real space travel and they realize that there's a bunch of other alien species that have ever like way more advanced than us who have just been like vibing and so from that like you don't get a council seat which is like the intergalactic government or whatever but humans are basically trying to like prove that they're worth a sh like worth a damn in the galaxy and so you play as this like military person who is put up to be the first human specter which is a position who works for the council but like doesn't have to follow any rules they just get to like do whatever they want it's very strange um and from that you kind of go on the trail of this other specter named Saren, who's like kind of fucking around with some weird ancient aliens technology shit and you come to learn that he is working with a race of giant old scary uh sentient machines that are coming to like lay waste to the galaxy 
And so you have to uh, ultimately shoot him in the face. Or if your charm or your uh, intimidation is high enough, you make him shoot himself in the face. Um, Because that's what I, because then you can avoid a boss fight. (laughs) Shit, really? Yeah. I did not know that. Oh, wait, you guys, you didn't know that? No, I guess I my charm and intimidation weren't high enough. I definitely had to do that boss fight. Oh, I mean, I I fought that man at least once. So yeah, no. If you're if you get to the end and your charm and intimidation is high enough, um, you can basically be like, you can still end this. And like, I mean, I always I go Paragon, so I'm like, no, like you can you can still be a good person, blah blah blah. And he's like, no, it's too late for me. But like, you know, I can at least take responsibility for my actions, type thing. And, and he shoots himself, and you don't have to fight him. That's not what happened in mine. Spoilers. <laughs> I guess yes, I shot him. I shot mm-hmm. him in the face. And then he did the weird, like, crawling up the wall, like a creepy little Spider-Man thing, and I shot yeah. him again. Yeah. He still does the the weird, like, when, his, when he's reanimated, that still happens, but you don't have to do, like, the initial stuff. And then I, I've never played Renegade to kind of answer that first question that I posed. Uh, so, like, I don't know, but I think, like, I think Andrew did a Renegade playthrough, and I you just kind of aggressively tell him to do that. Or, like, Kill yourself! It. Yeah, um, basically. Basically. He's so scared that he doesn't. <laughs> um... To answer the primary question, uh, I played as Paragon, or, mm. like, uh, I always try to do, like, a pure run-through, just because, like, I have uh, bad memories from playing Mass Effect 2, where there was a bug, where, like, if your Paragon wasn't high enough, even if it was, like, at the level it was supposed to be, you couldn't solve the conflict between Jack and Miranda, and it just, like, ruined everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm like, oh, you have to be the best Paragon ever, but, like, um some of the renegade actions are good actually okay so i don't remember what i did for mass effect one because no first of all nobody told me about how important the the paragon renegade system was going to be but also i think it's such a a bad system because like (laughs) it sucks it sucks ass because the only two morality paths in the game basically are like be a fucking snitch or kill people for fun and it's like well, sometimes I just want to be mean to people, you know, but I don't want to like punch them in the face. Um, so I think I kind of like. Sometimes it's also the difference between killing someone and punching them in the face. And <laughs> exactly. like, we can talk about this more in two, but the unpredictability of what the renegade action is going to yes. be makes it really hard to choose that one. Because, yeah, like, with the it's... Paragon, even if you don't know like what your shepherd is going to say verbatim, you know that like it's going to be the nice quote unquote option. But, like, with a renegade, it could be anywhere from being, like, fuck off to, like, murdering someone. Yeah, it's it's all glass him when you pick renegade. Um, but, yeah, I, that's why I, I don't think I did, I don't think I locked into either path in uh, Mass Effect 1, because I was kind of picking what I felt was, like, right. Um, which obviously is not the way to play the game. You just no, have to commit that's... to one thing. So... <laughs> Yeah, that is one of, like, the less intuitive things for sure. It's because there are so many instances where it's like, I don't know, I kind of feel like I'm being a Girl Scout cop, but, like, I also don't want to say, you know, fuck you to this species and become an evil person. Like, I don't know, it's just weird. Like, there's there's no nuance. Yeah, especially because um, a lot of the options, too, are also just, like, being xenophobic. Like, yeah. Like, I love that the bad guy option is not just, like, 
I don't agree with you or like fuck you and your you know beliefs it's like no like fuck you aliens it's like Jesus <laughs> like all right and I feel like the Paragon options. Okay, sorry, this is in three. I, we're, I this is gonna get messy. It's always it always gets messy. Spoiler cast too. But like the Paragon options kind of go like the complete opposite way too. Especially when you're in three, because it'll just be like, why can't everybody just get along? We have bigger battles to face than you know for you to be upset about the genocide of your species. Yeah, that's true. There is a scene where like, well. <sighs> I'm just going to talk about it now. There's a scene where, like, Rex or, like, whoever the Krogan leader is and a mm. Turian leader are, like, talking and you find out the Turians were doing some really shady shit on the yeah. Krogan planet. And Rex is like, what the fuck? Like, we are not going to work with you. Like, how could you do this? And Shepard is just like, you have to suck it up. We have to deal with the Reapers. And it's like, on the one hand, like, yeah. And I kind <laughs> of get that's why they use, like, such a dire threat. But at the same time, it's like, Rex is very valid in being super pissed off about, like, you know, the entirety of what has happened to his species, but that incident in particular. Rex is valid in everything, I think. I think he's mm-hmm. never been wrong in the whole series. That's my that's my scalding <laughs> hot Mass Effect take. I think Rex is always right. That's a good take. I think Re- Rex is, like, generally, at least in the right direction. Like, going back to Mass Effect 1, I think the whole, like, him being so aggressive about the Krogans on Vermeer, like, I get it, right, obviously, because, you know, that's his species, and he thinks that it's the only way that they're gonna be able to, you know, stop the genophage, which, for those who didn't play, is the a, a disease, basically, that the Krogans were infected with by the Solarians and the Turians, so that they have, like, abysmal birth rates. Um, yeah. And it's like one in every 1,000 pregnancies actually results in a baby. So, um, like, I, I get why he's, like, so passionate about it, but at the same time, it's like, like, when you do talk him down, it is kind of like, you being like, come on, man, like, think about it. Like, it's, like, like it's Saren. Like, he's clearly not, like, doing this to help you out. Like, mm-hmm. That's another thing, too, is just, like, there's not enough, there's not enough time to, like, give a lot of the, like, nuance to a lot of these things, and so a lot of it just feels kind of, like, rushed, which I think in the context of, like, oh, we have to stop this bad guy is, like, kind of okay, but when you look, when you step back, you're kind of like, you know, this probably could have used a little more time in the oven, probably could have used a little more elaboration. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, like, Paragon and Renegade, it feels like it comes down to, like, this just wild idealism. Or being, like, the scum of the fucking earth. And so it's very hard. Because, like I said, I don't know. Like, the Paragon stuff, especially towards the end, it just gets very, like, I am your savior. Like, I am the one who can bring peace to every alien race. And I, I don't, it, it gets, like, very uncomfortable. And it's like that throughout the whole game. But as the stakes get bigger, like... It, it does reach like kind of a gross level where it's like I'm just telling people like no you like we all need to just hold hands like if we hold hands it's all good and it, it just it gets a little weird it gets a little weird mm-hmm. but yeah, anyway I think that sorry sorry I mean <laughs> no, no, we've talked a ahead. lot about Paragon Renegade already but <laughs> I think that um it also is one of my biggest problems with the writing of the of the trilogy in that I I so I, I have a lot of, like, personal opinions about how uh, player characters are handled in various games. Um, but 
I think that it's it's just so weird. It's so hard for me to see Shepard as like as a character, like a fully realized character that's like kind mm-hmm. of that you can sort of mold as you wish. Um because so often the choices that you make regarding their like personality or dialogue options aren't actually influenced by what you want to say, but influenced by, oh, I want to pass this, you know, into the this like um reputation check later on. Mm-hmm. Um so I never felt like I was actually playing a character. I felt like I was just picking the options that would give me the best results later. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was hard for me to think of Shepard as like a like a cohesive character throughout. And that's because of the, the terrible <laughs> Renegade Paragon system. Yeah, like even when you talk to certain other characters too, like they're like Garrus, for instance, is usually like he he's very renegade, um, for the most part. But like not in the xenophobic oh, renegade way. What? What, Jess? The man who goes from being <laughs> a cop who's mad that he can't just kill people to the no, going what to I, just kill people is no, more no, 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 no. What? what I was going to say is Garrus is not red, but there's like two different like renegade type things. Well, He's, yeah, because like, there's the, the racist, and then there's like, yes. just being a weird fucking vigilante like, psychopath. Yeah. <laughs> no, and he is that way for sure. He's very much like I don't give a fuck about being a decent person i'm gonna do what i want to do like in the first game you meet him because he's like a cop on the citadel which is like the (laughs) the big main hub of you know the galaxy or whatever and he like is trying to hunt down saren too because he knows that something's up with him and they never really like Mm -hmm. elaborate on that but whatever um i'm sure it's in there somewhere and i just missed it don't yell at me you fucking nerds um (laughs) but like his whole deal is that he thinks Shepard is really cool because they're a specter and specters can do whatever they want and they have like you know a license to kill and can basically operate with however like whatever kind of force they want and Garrus is all pissy because like he has to follow regulations and stuff and it's like bro Mm. bro it's so bad like it really it really is in the first you have to tone him down so much and like you it kind of it does happen because like there is it's considered one of the choices like how you talk to garris if you use a lot of paragon actions in the next game he's like a lot more subdued but if you kind of like i don't know like amp it up it gets worse (laughs) well and we can talk about what yeah no, I, take he is... issue, I take issue with some of that just in the context of what he is doing in general yeah. in Mass Effect 2. Yeah. Um, but we can get there when we get there. <laughs> this conversation is um, making me realize that I don't really remember a lot about Mass Effect 1 at all. <laughs> You're totally like, yeah, like going guess... into it, Garrus is a cop, and then Rex is just like a mercenary who you also meet on the citadel and he's like trying to hunt someone down that you're also trying to hunt down for like a story reason i don't really remember and then after you do that he's just like i'm just gonna hang out with you now and you're like okay yeah like they rex gets the least amount of like explanation for why he's there and it's really funny because like someone um like one of my local friends was playing it too and we were talking and he was like yeah like rex is just like like, he, you do the mission to, like, help him out with his bounty or whatever, and then he's just, like, days? Question mark? Like, they don't really... 
I like, think I that just, he likes to fight, and Shepard's in a good enough fight, so they're just like, eh, but like, yeah, yeah like he's just he's just there. Like, I Rex think is that just like, well, I live here now. I think that literally is the rationale given in the game, though. Is like he says something like, "Ah, oh, like you're a good fighter, and I respect that, and it seems like you're gonna do cool shit. I'm gonna come with you." <laughs> just like. I don't even remember, like, him saying anything. It's just funny. He's just, like, you just do the one thing, and then he's just like, well, Rex is here now. He's your friend. That's actually how I joined Uppercut. I was like, Ty, you are a worthy fighter. (laughs) I would follow you into battle. I will follow you now. And Um, now I live here. This is better than what I had going on. (laughs) Um... But yeah, so yeah, you do, you get, um, so Caden and Ashley get to the very beginning when you go to Eden Prime, it's the first thing you do, you touch a Prothean beacon, it kind of starts off the whole thing, you have a vision of the Reapers coming, and you spend the rest of this. Fucks your brain up a little bit. Huh? Fucks your brain up a little bit. Yeah, little, little funky brain. Um, and then from that point on, you end up meeting, uh, Rex, Garrus, and Tally at the Citadel. That's the next place you go when you're trying to get the council to believe you and believe that Saren is up to some bad shit. Um, and then you end up going to Pharos and Novaria. Those are the two planets that you visit first. Pharos is kind of like, not jungly, but I don't know. It's definitely, it, it has like, you're kind of in an old like factory area right yeah i was gonna say i don't even remember what the outside of it looks like because you spend so much of it in like a mine yeah it's it it is kind of weird it's very concrete very like i don't know like i said it's like an ex like factory type community area and i think it's kind of grassy outside of it and stuff because i remember like concrete and green like that's that's where you go to get liara right yes God, I can't even remember if Liara's there. I don't know. You have to go to a planet to get Liara because she's like, oh, God, the Asari shit. Asari can, like, mind read, basically. I'm not going to deal with all the Asari fucking physiology shit. I don't care to do it. Um, They can, like, mind meld and read people's thoughts. And so she can, like, help Shepard organize their thoughts in theory and also tallies evidence that you go to find her for is a voice recording that they figure out is this Asari matriarch and Liara is her daughter. So they're like, mm. Mm, does Liara like know what the fuck is going on with her? Um, and you so, actually, yeah. you finally are on Therum. I just looked it up. Therum is like kind of a third. You don't, I don't feel like it's as big as like Pharos and Novaria are, but like one of your side things is get Liara because you've heard that she's like at this, uh, like ruin like i don't know it's like a prothean ruin site and you go and liara is captured and you have to like free her and then you have her in your party um so that's that's where liara is um and then pharos is the one with the plants mm. and like the spores mm. and stuff and then novaria is the one with the rachni it's it kind of oh it looks yeah pharos like is the one where there's the mind control plant alien yes and novaria is the one with the fucked up spiders Yes exactly now i remember <laughs> i never remember the planet names i just remember what hello on this is a sci-fi game <laughs> <laughs> so i guess to start with pharaohs which i don't know what order did y'all do that in did you because so, so there's pharaohs novaria and therum therum is the mine where liara is pharaohs is the mind control plant place novaria is icy like I don't know, sketchy business stuff in the Rachnite spiders. It's a fucked up corporate science lab that's like yeah. clearly 
not good vibes. It's like, mm-hmm. it's a little bit alien-like in the, like, quiet eeriness of it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. there's fucked up little spider, like, alien critters running around and they go like, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh. Yeah, I I definitely did Liara first and mm-hmm. then the fucked up mind control planet and then the Rachni planet last. And I remember when I was going into the Rachni planet, I think that's where you meet like Benezia, which is like Liara's yes. mom, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically thinking it was really funny because one of my party members was like, you know what? I bet Liara would have something interesting to say if she was here. <laughs> well, and the I was thing like, is, oh, too, no. right? Like, you can do them in an order where, like, even though the only reason that they give you for Liara, like, t- like to go talk to Liara is that Benezia is her mom, like, you can go do Benezia first before you even get Liara. And then yeah. you can just, like, show up and be like, yeah, I killed your mom. Like, <laughs> and that's just, <laughs> like, it, basically. Yeah, I just thought it was really funny because it felt like the developers were like, guys, we wrote such special dialogue for Liara in this scene. If she meets her mom, you should you should bring her along. And I was just like, no, no, I, I think I'm going to stick with my regular party, but thanks. <laughs> that's so funny. Was, I think that I've always had Liara in my party, so that's kind of funny. Um, because I usually play an infiltrator, so I don't have biotics. So I like to have somebody who like is heavy biotics on the team. So I usually go with Liara. Um, so yeah, I've never had that, but like I see how that would be really funny and weird. So that's kind of interesting to hear. Yeah, the thing about me is that when I play a game where I have a party, um, I never change my party. I mm-hmm. I pick one from the start and then I use it the entire game, and I I don't care about the balance. I I think. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't care about the balance. So if there is special dialogue for bringing specific characters in specific places, I never get it, and I'm okay with that. Um, mm-hmm. I I just I, oh I'm God, okay Bonnie, as long as I got my alien play boys. Bioware games. That is like half <laughs> of the point. I know. <laughs> they tell me that all the time in the game. Like that's so funny. So not to not to not to stray to Inquisition again, but I was playing Inquisition. And I was doing someone's, like, I think it was, like, Cullen's thing where you have to, like, pick up stuff. Or not Cullen, mm-hmm. no, it was, like, Blackwell's thing where you have to, like, pick up stuff, like, letters or whatever. And I, oh, every time yeah. I found one, my player character would be, like, mm, Blackwell would I think Blackwell would be really happy if he was here. And I was like, yeah, I bet he would be. <laughs> but he's not. Mm. Yeah, that's really... God, is it not oh. locked into you having? Because I remember that mission where you're picking up the letters, like confirming his identity stuff, right? Like I thought that you were locked into having to have him, but maybe I just picked him. No, I think Inquisition, I don't think usually locks you into having the companion because hmm. a lot of it is like, look around for this bullshit in this yep. stupid open world. Wild. Um, That's wild. It's another, that was like something I, I wanted to circle back to the Paragon Renegade shit with is like, the one thing that I can definitively 100% from like a game design perspective say that Dragon Age does better than Mass Effect is the morality system. Just because mm-hmm. like, for all intents and purposes, Dragon Age does not have one. Like, mm-hmm. you have relationships with your companions, and you have, like, you know, the big moral choices or whatever, but there's no, like, number go up because of this, other than, like, 
if you make a decision that a character in your party deeply disagrees with, there is a chance that they will, like, try to kill you. Um, but other than that, there's no, like, you know, good guy, bad guy. Like, there are clearly choices that are like, that's pretty fucked up, but, you know, there's no meter for it or anything like that. Yeah. I kind of wish was more the case with Mass Effect because, and this kind of goes to like what I said about you being like the ultimate savior and like Paragon really is just like whoever, it's it's the creators of the game saying this is the good thing to do. So it doesn't really feel like it's you having, you know, autonomy over your choices. Um, And so it, it would make more sense for you to be able to pick things and then people in your party like not like that shit and leave so it almost makes you feel like you at least you have too much power because even on the loyalty missions and two that we'll talk about um like you can do shit that's so because it's paragon but it's so against like what these people would like to happen that you oh like zaid where it's in the text that he's furious in you yeah Um, like there are so many things you do that go directly against what that but you can still win their loyalty if you're paragon enough and it's like but that's not really how that would work because they don't like that shit like zaid in particular like i was paragon enough to be like get your shit together and just like get over it like this is what i chose and you're on my team and you will listen to me because if you don't like blah 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 like and it just doesn't make sense. No, nope. it's like I said, it's, you're too powerful. It's it's really just a way to like win everything, have everything, keep every character. It's it's that obsession with like being right. Like everything has to be right. You have to have it all. You have to keep everyone alive, keep everyone in your party. It, and it's like too controlling to a certain extent. Um, yeah, a lot of like a lot of Mass Effect will only like remove companions either through just straight up death. Mm-hmm. Which is usually not at your hands. I, I don't think Shepard kills any of the companions except for more and Sashimara. Or and Rex. And even then, it's like, um, I don't think that Shepard Shepard doesn't actually kill Morinth or Samara, right? Because I think that they just like distract them and then the mom or the daughter kills them. Yeah, I think it's the same for Rex, right? Because it doesn't actually yeah. shoot him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's yeah, it's Ashley who shoots him. So like Shepard doesn't even like get their hands dirty really it's just like either you can't calm rex down or like you give morinth or samara an opening basically i actually think there is a scene where you can kill rex um in mass effect 3 though no. um, yeah it's um if you if you uh if you uh were a piece of shit and you faked the genophage cure and you're like renegade enough he comes and confronts you and then i think you can shoot him oh that's so fucked up it is fucked up. I can't believe I watched that on like YouTube. I was like, wait, God. what the fuck? Yeah, because, like, not to... I'm sorry, this is going to be a lot of Dragon Age talk, but, like, <laughs> with, like, with Origins specifically, because I think I think it's the same in 2, but I don't remember the instances as well, so I don't want to cite it. But I think, like, not having that strict morality system gives you a little bit more wiggle room in, like, how you can solve a situation Right, because mm-hmm. like in Mass Effect, every quest it's going to be, you know, it's obviously super linear. But then on top of that, at the end, you have two choices, and it's the Renegade choice or the Paragon choice. Whereas 
in Dragon Age Origins, most of the main conflicts have at least, like, three different ways that they can be solved, depending on, like, how you handle them and, like, which areas you visit first and stuff. So I just feel like having, you know, like, your decisions tied directly to that morality meter in that way just, like, cuts off so many other avenues of, like, play. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of boring. Yeah. No, I will, like, it's so hard gamifying. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's just the thing is, like, certain things shouldn't be, like, gamified the way they are. Uh, yeah, maybe such just as, don't. So, yeah, Perhaps such as uh, just don't. morality and, like, mental health and shit like that. Like, it just doesn't translate cleanly or appropriately a lot of the time. Uh, and this is one such instance where it's, like, I guess, like, in a sense, like, I kind of... Like, especially when I was younger, like, I like the idea. I played Fable, too. Fable is kind of the same way, where, like, you do good shit or you do bad shit and affects how you look and kind of the world around you. And, like, I was always super into those concepts. But at the same time, like, you realize, like, how oversimplified they are and how problematic they are when you think of, like, who is the one in power who is who is dictating what's good and what's bad. Um, And like the choices that you're locked into because of trying to be a certain way that kind of takes away like you having any sort of free will in the game. I don't know. It's it's a weird, messy thing. (laughs) Well, and Mass Effect even borrows directly from Fable in that like, right, in the second game you have scars. Mm -hmm. And like, if you are more renegade, you keep the scars. But if you're a paragon, they heal because... Cerberus technology responds to vibes, I guess. <laughs> is, yeah. the, is the explanation? I don't know. <laughs> but it, like, truly affects your physical appearance in a similar, if less dramatic way than, like, in Fable. Because in Fable, if you're bad, you literally grow horns out of your fucking forehead. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, that's another thing that I didn't like about Paragon Renegade. I feel like it was, like, gonna be most of the podcast, really. But, um... Hello, welcome to the Paragon of Renegade podcast. <laughs> Exactly. Like, Paragon, first of all, I liked having scars. I thought they were cool. But second of all, I think the thing about Paragon Renegade is that it's not only, like, whether you're good or bad, it's, like, whether you're nice or mean. Um, And, like, sometimes I just, I I, I think most people get locked into Paragon because they want to be nice to their friends. (laughs) So, like, Mm -hmm. even if you don't agree with all the things that Paragon does, it's like, but I want to be nice to my my squad mates. I don't want to be mean to them. Um, so I guess I'm playing Paragon because if I'm Renegade, I'm not only am I, you know, morally making morally questionable choices, I'm also a dick. Uh, and I don't want to be that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like a trade off there. Yeah. And it's kind of it is kind of frustrating that it ties into like the nice mean stuff, because like more than like nice mean kind of translate to being like assertive versus passive, too. So it feels like a lot of times with being you know, like if you're following the Paragon path, like you kind of have to be more passive and like your your emotions and stuff. I mean, I don't know, like you can still be impassioned in like a positive way, but like you are, you're nice, you're polite. Like you have, you just play that diplomat role a lot more, which like, to be fair, I'm kind of like that just in life. So like when I play Paragon, I'm like, oh, I'm a passive person. (laughs) But like the thing about this is like, Mass Effect laid, like, such a perfect template for, like, what American politics, like, Mm -hmm. would become. Because, like, Shepard is 
fundamentally like a human's first at best centrist at worst like right-wing psychopath um and like and the game proves that over and over again that like they are a human's first like xenophobic in a quiet way because like even though they have all of these alien crew members and even though like they'll bang aliens or whatever like there are multiple instances where like because humans have this weird fucked up history with batarians like shepherd does a genocide um the treatment of the batarians in mass effect as a whole is fucking insane anyway we'll get to that but yeah so like it's just yeah and the paragon renegade i feel like just really epitomizes Mm -hmm. that i feel like there's like a really good pitch idea in there somewhere ty (laughs) it's kind of related to what i wrote for i got a couple things going (laughs) um anyway so getting back to mass effect one i'm just gonna kind of real quickly go over the choices then that way we can move on because i feel like certain things like demand more attention and more conversation but like things like just like our choices and kind of the rationale why is a little bit faster to kind of go through. So with Pharos, did y'all save the colony or did you shut it down? Shut it down essentially being like destroy it. Oh, I didn't just, I did whatever the thing is where like the company shuts it down because it's like, Oh, maybe I was thinking shut down meant destroy because I just save it. So yeah, I did the. I don't know what happened. I tried. So here's the thing. I tried to save the colonists because there's a section at the end, right, where you get mm-hmm. the like, the the anti mind control bomb or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just really fucked that up because I misunderstood what it meant, and I was throwing the bombs at the wrong uh plant people. Uh, so then I ended up having to kill all of them, and I only saved like five. Um, and then after that uh the game was like yeah the company is gonna shut this place down because fuck all of this yeah i think i tried to save people but i definitely remember having to shoot someone at the end in like a cutscene type thing Mm -hmm. um but i think i saved the majority of people like i said my memories of mass effect one are kind of hazy because i went through that game so quickly very fair um i saved everyone i did like the whole what's funny is i had to restart it because i fucked up the first time but then i, I restarted i saved everybody the second one i don't remember i think i like used too many of the grenades or whatever and i ran out of them so i had to restart um people died honestly this playthrough i was very laissez-faire if people died they fucking died <laughs> that's that's fair um like i tried to be paragon but like if you didn't make it like sorry <laughs> Sorry. I feel like that's a very shepherd mentality, though, so that's fine. Yeah, like, light war <laughs> criminal, you know? Yeah. Uh, in Noveria, did y'all save or kill the Rachni? Save. I saved the Rachni. I, which, I wish that had them. a better payoff, honestly, because it felt like they were kind of building it up, like, like oh, you saved this this species, now they will be your allies or whatever, but, like, it never really came of, came to anything in the end. Just, like, it was just like a war asset in the third one, really. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, there's the whole like the thing that sucks is you set her free, right? And then the next time you see her, she's once again being like been captured and like used in like a puppy mill, essentially, but for Rachni. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can this? Can she just like catch a break? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I it's... wanted to see her like doing shit. 
no that would be i feel like that's something so we talked a bit about like the batarians like their treatment but like honestly and i'm using this in quotations because like i feel like this is what the game kind of deems them as but it's not my personal feelings on it the lesser aliens um are treated like shit yeah uh, the batarians the rachni like anything that's not humanoid um basically like the like the salarians the asari the taurians um well, even it's, it's like and they even like in, in the text of the game they classify it right as like the species that have like achieved space travel and like the species mm. that have gotten a seat on the council so that excludes like the hanar the vorcha the fucking mm-hmm. um there's a lot there's a lot of aliens that it excludes mm-hmm. um and then they try to use it to like spin like the scrappy upcomer thing for fucking shepherd because like humans are kind of like have just barely gotten out of that rank but they're not on the council yet as the mass effect one um so they try to spin it as this kind of whole like you know these scrappy humans are like looking to earn their place in the galaxy but like i don't know it's very fucked up like especially because um oh god i cannot think Volus. The Volus are like the the kind of like smaller, rounder um aliens. Yeah, they look like little um water bears. Yeah. But like if you put a water bear in like a in like a breather suit, like one of the <laughs> suits. Yeah. Like Darth like if Darth Vader was a water bear. <laughs> so you meet you meet a Volus uh in the embassies of the Citadel in the first game. Um, and you have a conversation and, and like, he's kind of short with you. Um, and like, you're kind of presented, I don't know, the Volus is presented to you in that cutscene. I feel like he's just like a dick. Like he is a bad guy and he's just bitter and blah, blah, blah. And like, to be you're supposed fair, to- a genuine question. Is there a Volus in the series who is not depicted as being a shithead? I probably not. Like I, I realize we'll, we'll get to the Batarians cause the Batarians are so messed up. Um, but with the Volus, like, they're all kind of, I don't know. And that's the thing, too, right? Is like, I feel like a lot of the races, like, everybody is kind of depicted the same way. It's like, this is, like, that race's personality. So, therefore, all of these people are like that. Yeah, which is, it's like, the same issue weird. of, like, they treat whole planets as if they are, like, countries. And it's, yes. it, it, it's hard to, like, be fully immersed when you really think about it. Yeah. But in that interaction with the Volus on the Citadel, it's like one of the first ones that I remember even having when I started Mass Effect 1 back up. Um, Like I said, this guy's kind of being a dick to you. And I think you're supposed to think like this guy is a dick. But then he kind of explains his frustrations, you know, with like, well, the Volus have been trying to do this for hundreds of years. And like now humans show up and it feels like they're just like kind of cutting in line. And and like our and I guess like there's like some history behind it where like the Volus did something and and. Because I, I think that he's standing next to not a Hanar, but what are the um the elephanty looking ones? Do you know what I'm talking about? They say their emotion yeah, before they I speak. I don't know what those are called. So because he's standing. Hanar are the jellyfish ones, right? Yes. yes. Yeah, I don't know. The other ones are the ones that were the they like they like say a stage direction. They'll be like excitedly, and then they'll say the sentence. Is it like the Elcor or something? I think it's something like that. I can't remember. Yes, and Elcor. I think Elcor. it was Elcor. Yeah. But, like, so the Elcor is like, well, you know that, like, the reason that they're not is because of this. But, like, the way that you present, like, that that Volus is presented to you is, like, that is, like, he's a bad guy. He's, like, just there to hassle you. But, like, I'm having this conversation. I'm like, this guy is, like, very valid <laughs> in how he feels. And, like, it's very weird that, like, the humans show up and 
already there's like that sense of entitlement and like you've the first hour of the game you're made a specter you know what i mean like it's it's just weird it is kind of i don't know the Very treatment power of the- trippy it is. mass effect is a huge like mass effect bonnie and i were talking about this a little bit earlier and like we talked about it on the show too i think sorry the the break has scrambled my brain a little bit time wise <laughs> um but like the idea of looking at it as like a time capsule right like i feel mm-hmm. like mass effect is a very good time capsule in terms of like the ultimate like rpg player fantasy mm-hmm. um yeah. because again like even with Dragon Age, like you are still, you know, the big hero, but the 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 protagonists of Dragon Age are often very um tragic in a lot of ways and are often put in a lot of disadvantages that they have to overcome. And I'm sure like you could say the same thing for Shepard in terms of like the odds technically, but like I don't know, there's such a strong feeling of empowerment even after you die. Spoilers. Um in Mass Effect, whereas, like, there's a scene in Dragon Age Origins where it seems like you die, and, like, when you wake up, you're like, oh, everything has gone to shit, we have nothing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you never have that feeling as Shepard. No, I, Mass Effect is 100%, like, very much a power trip. Like, and it even reminds me, um, for people who listen to, like, our PAX West panel that we did last year, um, with, like, a bunch of different developers, like, we had, you know, Gosh, I don't remember everybody we had on. I remember that Z is the one who said this, though, from Serenity Forge. And he was, like, talking about, like, the thing with indie games is, like, how do you live up to the power fantasies that you have in AAA titles is kind of, like, the the conversation that we had. Because I think he might have even been talking about playing Mass Effect. It was something like, or no, it was The Witcher. He was talking about playing The Witcher. He's like, yeah, he's like, I was playing The Witcher. And, like, I realized, like, I can do this and sleep with this person and be with this person and decide the fate of this country. And, like, like it's, it's like an adrenaline rush because you have all that power and all that control. And it's like you can, if you're making those games, you can give people that, like, that feeling. You know what I mean? Like, that dopamine hit and, like, that sense of power. And Mass Effect is 100% a series built to give people that feeling. I think that's why it's so, like, addicting and why it's so, like, well-loved. Um, and it's kind of interesting to go back, like, and, like knowing that and, like, and having that in your mind and play these games because it really stands out to you 100%. Yeah. Um, another reason why I say that it's kind of like looking into the past is because... Um, it definitely feels like everything about the series is kind of um it is made for like straight white men and mm-hmm. um it's it's really interesting to think about how so many people have had like a very different experience with this game than I have like when we're talking about we can talk about this later in when we talk about Mass Effect 2 but like in Mass Effect 2 the suicide mission part everyone's like i i would see so many like 10 year old youtube comments being like this is why this game is so great it's because it illustrates the realities of war that people will die in war and i was thinking to myself like that's not even that interesting you know <laughs> like mm. but then it does make me think about how like this game is like very clearly not made for my demographic and um yeah it, it's just like interesting to think about how many people playing this game have had like a wildly different experience because they're approaching it from like a fundamentally different perspective than Mm -hmm. I am. No, absolutely. Um, It's, (laughs) 
there's a lot to say about this game. I'm sorry if this podcast goes long. Everybody who's listening, it, there's a lot to say. Uh, and I'm sorry if it's all over the place. That's just kind of the nature of these things. At this um, point, you should be used to it. <laughs> I feel like, so there's the Bring Down the Sky DLC in Mass Effect 1. I don't really think it's anything to write home about. Uh, do y'all but even like, remember the only it? thing about Bring Down the Sky <laughs> is that it starts the Batarian shit. Yeah. God, I, I have. I okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been. Maybe that's I've been, why I don't know what you guys were talking about. Okay, I've been working. <laughs> I didn't do it. I've been like, I've been like Charlie Dayboarding the Batarian Mass Effect shit recently for this piece mm-hmm. that I've been doing because it was originally a different piece about uh, Shepard being racist. And uh, anyway, I've been having a time. So basically, in Bring Down the Sky, you find out that like these Batarians have taken over an asteroid that has a like a science base or something on it, Mm -hmm. and they're like holding these humans hostage, and they've set up like a bunch of rockets to blast an asteroid into I think it's Earth. Um, Yeah, I believe it is Earth. I think you're right. And um, so like you know, you have to save them. Um, and the mission sucks ass. It's terrible. It's a big Mako mission, and it's terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it just it it sets up a lot of the like the game wanting you to feel that the Batarians are like aggressive and hostile and incompassionate. Um, especially because like the the ending, your choice is either to let the um like batarian pirate captain guy go um to save the scientists or um i think this is the same mission it yes, is, it is. Yeah, the other it... one the other one is you kill everybody so yes um yeah. you can either save the scientists and let that guy go even though he's like like a pretty bad he's like a slaver and like a he's a very bad dude um they make that abundantly clear um or the renegade option is to kill him and then the scientists like die um and so it just yeah it sets up the like all of this weird tension with the batarians and the doing the thing that Jess kind of mentioned of talking like characterizing like a whole species as like having certain personality traits or whatever mm. um and then it just gets uh worse in mm-hmm. Mass Effect uh I don't remember if it's two or three. No, it's two. It it's gets two worse in two and then it gets worse in three. Like I know. what happens in two directly sets up three. Mm. Um but yeah. Yeah, no, it becomes basically Batarians in the Mass Effect trilogy become syn- synonymous with terrorists. Like Batarians are known as terrorists. Like that's just like uh, that is the terrorist race. And like that yeah. or like pirates. Yeah, like because they're they're always involved in like bombings or gangs or or like something like it's always the Batarians. Yeah, like and they're and Batarians are in like the mercenary groups like the Blood Pack and the Blue Suns. Mm-hmm. They are slavers. They are, you know, um the the guys trying to do the asteroid into the planet. There is so you know, I guess we'll just we're just kind of talking about the Batarians now anyway. There is one Batarian in all of the trilogy that I can recall that is a good guy, and he's not even technically a good guy. It's in the Omega DLC for Mass Effect 3, which is real fucking good, actually. I, I love that DLC. Yes. 
Yeah. That DLC is absolutely incredible. Omega fucks. Um, but Bray is the assistant to Arya um, in, in the Omega DLC. And he's and just he, there, though. He just, like, does yeah. what Arya says. Yeah, and he's, like, so he is technically a bad guy, right? Because he's working with Arya, so he's, like, part of that whole, like, shit show of, of people on Omega. And, like, because Omega is just a constant turf war, basically. Like, and so, so he's, like, technically a bad guy, but he's, like, always kind to your character. Like, when you finish the mission, he's the one who, like mails you a letter or an email or whatever and like you check it and it's like hey like there's at least like one batarian who likes you and has your back or like just just something nice like that he is the one batarian in all of the series that like has some like a a fraction of a personality and like some kind of and it's in mass effect 2 again on omega when Mm. you're going to find morden there's like a batarian who's laying on the ground that you can talk to and he's just basically like fuck you yeah and he thinks that he thinks that the humans cause the plague because they're the only ones who aren't like um susceptible to it Mm -hmm. and but if you like you know you can like paragon him and be like hey like you know i'm i'm trying to help you like here's like a meta gel like i'll send help for you and you can you know send help for him and stuff um but yeah they are generally depicted in a very bad light and it's like, I actually totally forgot about that interaction until you brought it up, Ty. But like, because I remember that happening and thinking like, this could be a turning point. Like, this could be a moment where we realize like, maybe our perceptions are what causes like the, you know, like the Batarians or whatever, you know, race to like, be that way. Maybe like, this is like a learning point and they're trying to do it, but, but then they don't touch it again. You know, because like when you approach people with that hostility, of course you get that back. But like in that moment, it's kind of tender and like, but they don't touch it again. I think there's one more semi-sympathetic Batarian in Mass Effect 3. He's like dying and he's like, something like his family is dead or whatever. And he asks you to kill him or to let him Mm -hmm. die. Mm. and then and you're like okay i'll let you die and that's like the only other <laughs> even slightly sympathetic batarian that you ever see in the series um and i think two it's that interesting are basically that, like, dying exactly two that play. are like half dying and then um i think it's interesting how they introduce the only other one in like the omega dlc because first of all i think mass effect needs to be much clearer about how it labels its dlcs because oh, yeah. i accidentally did the omega dlc because the thing with the legendary edition is that it is nothing like the experience of playing the dlcs back in the day oh yeah i've heard how hard it was to get dlcs well it's not even that but like you you know what i mean like you bought them so like you knew like oh like when i bought the javik dlc for my ps3 i knew that like i was downloading the javik dlc so that i was on the lookout for a mission where that was like you know related to that Whereas mm-hmm. in Legendary Edition, they're just there. So yeah, like, I didn't, you can just I didn't do know. shit. I, did, I was like just I was just happily doing fetch quests, you know, and then I and then I suddenly stumbled into a 90-minute DLC. <laughs> yeah, but that I think was like it's funny because too. I was thinking I was playing it and I was thinking like, damn, it's awesome that they introduced all these like other like alien characters that we never really get to see before. Like also the series' first female Turian. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then I was like you know what, Mass Effect 3, nice work. And then I discovered that it's actually a DLC, so they didn't even put it in the original game. Like, they just, like, it was, like, an afterthought. (laughs) Like, also, 
Mass Effect 3, literally the first time you see a female Krogan or Torian in the entire series. Or a female Solarian, too. And one of them is DLC. I was tracking. There's also the female Solarian on the council is the first mm-hmm. one. I oh, think. yeah. And she is a mean lady. Yeah, say yeah, she sucks, too. Kind of a dick. So, whatever. I mean, I feminism scared. or whatever. <laughs> Hashtag uh, CEO. <laughs> say girl boss. <laughs> um, God. I hate that. Um, but no, okay. So we I'm talk about close, Mass Effect two now. I'm gonna close this out of Mass Effect one <laughs> because, like, we've gone past it anyway. Uh, under Meyer, <laughs> on what? <laughs> you win. You win the fight. Under <laughs> Meyer, did y'all save Rex? Yes, obviously. Did, I would never you... let my man Rex die. <laughs> Rex is so good. Rex is is the only valid person. Rex, um, like, as a raging warlord, is still a better person than the majority. It's because of he's the, the only one who's not a cop. That's why. <laughs> But I was just thinking, like, the entire time on Vermeer when he's like, he's like, this could save my people. I'm like, well, it it is wrong, but, like, I understand why you're so passionate about this, because your people literally been genocided for, like, a thousand years now. Well, yeah, and, like, and there's, there's been no hope prior exactly. to Exactly, and, like, you, if, you, if there's even, like, a sliver of hope, obviously he's going to want to take it. But then I, I was just so annoyed at how Shepard's just like, just like, fuck, fuck you, like, get, get your shit together, man, this is not gonna help you, like, be more sympathetic. Like, I thought you were supposed to be a paragon. I thought paragons were supposed to be nice. Yeah, because Shepard is a racist, still. Or well, a xenophobe. Like, so, I don't so know what it counts as when it's aliens. I think it's something, it's not racism. It's xenophobe. But, like, here's the thing. I would say that more than anything, Shepard is just super fucking ignorant. Like, mm-hmm. more so than, like, because that's the thing, is, like, Shepard expects, and this is, I talk about this in 3, or, like, when I talked about this in regards to 3, um, they just kind of expect everybody to be able to let go of everything as soon as they say they need to let go of it and move on and hold hands and everything's fine. Um, and even, like, with Rex, is like, put your feelings aside. Like, you know, and I guess, like, trigger warning here for, like, child births related stuff but it's like you have to think of like the trauma that the krogans have gone through because not only is it not just like like problems getting pregnant but it's like a lot of times like pregnancy it's yeah it's stillbirths mm-hmm. it's stillbirths and miscarriages so it's like they're like and like, they talk one... about that in the game yeah. rex talks yeah. about that yeah and it's like and and, and so shepherd's advice for like all of that is to just like like get over it you i know? legitimately Dirt think that I legitimately think that the reason why they gave the Krogans that storyline or or I think the storyline and the design of the characters influenced each other there because I think the reason why they made the Krogans the least human looking um, of the like the sympathetic aliens is because they needed people to be okay with them being genocided. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and doing the same shit too, right? Where they make them the the warlords and they are the ones who are you know quote-unquote savage and brutal and they are the ones who cannot control their own population and who like you know would take over the galaxy like a like a you know an infestation if not for the genophage like there is some shit in the krogans yeah yeah Yeah, it's um (laughs) i mean i'm a krogan fan so it pisses me off but whatever no, yeah, I like I like them. Uh, Grunt is my son. Uh, <laughs> Jess and I have matching Grunt plushies. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, um, 
Yeah, no, the treatment of the Krogan is just, like, fucking appalling. Um, Like, honestly, like, we I talked about, like, the Batarians being treated poorly, but, like, Krogan are also, like, just next level. And, and it's, I think that you're totally right, Bonnie, with saying, like, they make them less humanoid in order to make us less sympathetic towards them. Because, like, if it were the Asari... Like because yeah. the Asari's just look like women, right? Like they are they just are blue women with tentacles. Um and I feel like like the Asari hundred percent the choice for how they look is just to appeal to straight white men. Exactly. Um, and that like, is why and that is why I don't like Liara. Unfortunately, I think I... she's incredibly boring and I hate oh, her eyebrows. <laughs> no, Bonnie, I love Liara. I think everything that you just said is correct, but I think despite <laughs> that, Liara is good for her story arc, especially if you romance her. Um, but we can get to that. But um, there was even like controversy over Mass Effect's... Um, like cover art in terms of gender because for three they're originally i believe this is correct i'm sorry if i'm wrong but they're for mass effect three they were gonna have um femshep be the first be the cover art for the first time mm. and uh the gamers got big mad mm. mm-hmm. that seems right but yeah i what's funny is i'm very indifferent on liara i find her kind of boring too um <laughs> what's What's so when I played the first game, um, I was like, eh, I romanced Caden last time, and like he's just very much like a white guy. Like maybe I'll pick Liara this time. And then I was playing it. I'm like, Liara's just kind of boring. <laughs> At least I feel I like just, I have. I think that Liara could be interesting. I I I honestly don't have much of a problem with her. I just think she's really boring. But um, Liara has I, the only... best arc out of any <laughs> of the main characters. Are you kidding? I don't. Is this a joke? Okay, unpopular. No. I also am not super about the Shadow Broker DLC. Get out. Hang <laughs> up this car. How dare you? Then, okay, I also feel like something that I wasn't super huge about is Liara is very like thrust upon you as a romance choice. Yeah, because she. <laughs> should have the thing about mass effect is that like you shouldn't have as many choices as you do like they very clearly wanted to make a very linear game but then we're like but we gotta do this whole other thing like yeah where because it's like obvious like in the in the main narrative of mass effect it makes sense that she would be your rope it makes sense that it would either be her ashley or kaden and then like it's it, it then they gotta make all the bioware romance choices, whatever. Yeah. Um because she literally like mind melds with you as a plot point multiple times. Yeah. Like, I how feel do you like... have that kind of intimacy with someone and not be like, Well, I guess we're dating? Yeah, Liara, I feel like is is definitely like if there were a canon relationship, like Liara feels like that's what she was intended to be for sure. I yeah. feel like the Caden romance, I like has a lot of like chemistry to it so i'm assuming the ashley one does as well because they're pretty similar um i've never played a boy shepherd yeah i i haven't either like and and kaden i i never i always like break up with him in the third one basically but like (laughs) he's a sweet guy imagine at the end of the world after everything (laughs) you've been through what happened just looks at you and is like you know what I'm good. Never mind, actually. actually. <laughs> no, how it always fucking goes. So I romance Caden in the first one because I'm like, eh, 
sure. And then in the second one, I romance Garrus. Though Thane is so tempting. And then in the third one, you meet up with Caden again. And Caden's just like, so did you fuck Garrus? And and like, Shepard literally puts her head down and she's like, yeah, I'm so sorry, Caden. Like, I just thought, you know, like we were done. Also, I feel like if you die and then come back, you're like not in a relationship anymore. I know. That's yeah. the funniest right? shit. I that's think like, that's a reset. Yeah. Like. Like that per like on a real note going into Liara, because I really do think that Liara's character is strengthened by a romance with Shepard. Um, because of specifically Mass Effect 2. Um, but like you know, like a person has mourned you. Cause like in, mm. in the beginning of Mass Effect 2, you die like the 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 normandy is attacked by a weird freaky okay laser. before before we and, we're gonna jump right back to this did you okay <laughs> did you save the council and at the end of oh, mass effect shit. one or did you um save the alliance ships uh council you save the council i saved the council also i saved the alliance ships because i didn't realize what the choice was oh, yeah. because i didn't i i didn't read the dialogue <laughs> It's kind of funny that the first time I played, I also killed the council. And it's kind I of funny too. afterwards. Yeah, I, I was too. like, I did it in the what is it, the Genesis DLC, and the framing yeah. there is like, council's been a bunch of real assholes. Are you sure you want to save them? And I was like, no, fuck those guys. <laughs> and then it turns out uh, that was code for you're a racist. Yup. Yep. When that part happened, when they're like. They're like, wait, why aren't the ships pulling back or whatever? And then like the like the 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 pilots, I think, of the council ship are just like, oh shit, we're gonna die. I was like, oh, oops, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I wish there was an option where it's like, no, not not fuck those races, fuck them in particular. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't like those people. I it's not because of their race. <laughs> Although maybe it is because in Mass Effect, one person represents their entire That's race true. team, apparently. God. Um, and then the last choice in Mass Effect 1 is Adina or Anderson. I recommended Anderson for the council seat. Yeah, Anderson. I like Anderson. He's my friend. Yeah, Adina sucks. Um, anyway, He's so Ty, bitch. Ty, let's jump back to Mass Effect 2. You were talking about coming back to life. Oh, yes. Okay, so Mass Effect 2. Scene. We open on the Normandy. Fucking <laughs> vibing in space. Doing nothing for some reason. And then all of a sudden, like, a big scary spaceship shows up and laser beams your ship in half and you have to evacuate everybody. And I actually saw it for the first time because normally I romance Liara in the first game. But on my playthrough of the first game this time, normally Liara is so forced upon you that, like, I just kind of naturally romance her. But I forgot that you do still have to, like, talk to her repeatedly after missions um to get the romance dialogue and I didn't do it so I didn't romance her I didn't end up romancing anyone in one um and so then in two normal if you've like romanced Liara she is the person who talks to you as you're evacuating the ship but since I didn't do that it was Ashley because that's who I saved because uh Caden is um boring I'm sorry I don't care <laughs> I don't care I don't care I don't care no, that's very um, fair. Caden is very... He's, like, very much, like... terrible. Everyone who tries to shame me about this with the whole... Actually, this is racist. Fucking... Everyone's Garrus racist in this game. Is, it's fine. Everyone is bad. 
There's not a good person in this game. Like, leave me alone. I say Dashley because I'm a feminist. So I hate (laughs) it when girls die. (laughs) Caden has very big, like, first high school boyfriend energy who, like, cries when you guys have sex for the first time. Caden is literally just a man. (laughs) Like, he is like a stock photo, which I know I can feel Kenneth (laughs) Shepard screaming right now. But that is because he has a very special connection to that character due to the queerness shit, which is a whole other thing because Mass Effect for queer men is very bad. Yes. Um, and they just like in three retcon that gate uh, Mass Effect three Caden comes out. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Diversity win. Love wins. <laughs> um, yeah, you can romance Caden as a man. Um, there's two queer men romance options because I believe you can also romance Cortez, who's like the mm-hmm. gay mm. uh, shuttle pilot, which is really fucked up because like you can get a notification that like someone on the ship, I can't remember if it's Edie, but like someone is like, oh, I think it's your new assistant is like, hey, um, you should like go talk to Cortez. So then you do. And he's like listening to the final recording of the yeah. before he died in action. And then he, like, tells you all of this, and you're just like, damn. The funny thing about that that. is that I heard they added, so I heard they added, like, a gay male love interest in in 3 that wasn't Caden. And I didn't know who it was, though. And the first time, and then when I saw James Vega for the first time, I immediately thought, oh, it must be him, right? (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I was like, he's kind of a beefcake, and he's very, like, sweet and like earnest but also like he's got a little bit of a fire to him i was like you know what they they know their audience so he's it has uh, and to then be instead it's the saddest it turns out man be, ever it turns out to be this traumatized guy who lost his husband in war and i was like oh. also i love that you can romance him he's literally like my husband died like a month ago and yeah, you're so like you want to like, bang this whole arc too. oh god <laughs> maybe <sighs> maybe this just maybe this podcast is done maybe we're done now no, we haven't talked about uh, two. Oh. We haven't talked about the suicide mission. The most we yeah. haven't talked about eugenics, Queen story. Miranda Lawson. <gasps> oh my okay. gosh! Okay, so Mass Effect Two. We talked about how the game starts. The game starts with you dying. Uh, Cerberus, which is a human supremacist organization, brings you back to life and is willing to work with you and fund you and and all of this shit if you work alongside them. Um, while it is heavily implied that you do not like actually want to work with them. It's basically like, they're like, oh, okay, well we're going to stop the Reapers. So Shepard's like, okay, well yeah, I want to do that. Kind of, so they like kind of frame it as part of it is that everything happens so quickly. Right. Because you literally wake up from mm-hmm. the dead and are thrown into like a combat tutorial mm-hmm. because the lab is under attack. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how you like meet your first two companions and shit. Um, and then from there, it's just kind of, like, assumed that you're going to be allies because, like, you died. And also, like, you kind of owe them for bringing you back. And also, like, the council doesn't believe you. Yeah. So, like, you're kind of forced in the... It it, it ties right that, like, everything... It's still, like, quote-unquote forced, though. Because, like, I don't know about y'all, but in Mass Effect 2, like, my Spectre status was reinstated. Yeah, mine was too. Like, what, if I was, like, I feel like if Shepard was to be, like, hey, Council, I'm gonna tell Cerberus to go fuck themselves, like, can you give me a ship? Like, 
I feel like they could have really easily done that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they just don't. They just continue to frame it as like, like, oh, like the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. And like, that's very much the tone that it takes is like, you kind of work with them. I don't know. The whole thing with Cerberus is really fucking weird in two. Because like, I feel that you don't get to know enough of what they're about because really your only context for like how shitty they are is people around you saying oh man those guys are real shitty and so like like, it's the whole thing i'm sorry i have a lot of feelings on this because i just you know my charlie day board no Um, yeah go ahead but there's like so there's there's the reality of cerberus that is only ever shown through like second and third parties right like you see it in emails you see it in the reactions to people when you meet them again like even ashley the notorious mm-hmm. space racist right is like what the fuck are you doing i would never work with them are you kidding mm-hmm. like i think she even has a line that is somewhere along the lines of like i don't like aliens but i would never work with cerberus mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and like <laughs> like so there's this but but the the what's his face the Charlie Sheen's dad. Oh, the elusive man. man. Um, he Martin Sheen, the elusive man, like continuously goes out of his way to be like, no, 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 that wasn't us. Like, like the Jack thing, right? Her loyalty mission, where like Jack was tortured by Cerberus as a child and was a human experiment for them. And when you go do her loyalty mission, like back to the place where she grew up, like you are continuously led to believe that it was a splinter group that it wasn't the main organization it was the whole you know a few bad apples thing um and they do that over and over and over again to try to like make you feel okay about working with them while simultaneously Mm -hmm. they still in the text are showing you that like this is a very bad vibe Mm-hmm. And it's weird because you don't really get to push back on it very much. Like, you can talk shit to the elusive man, but, like, at the end of the day, you're still doing stuff with him up until the very end. Mm-hmm. It's It puts you in a weird place, for sure. Yeah. It's, you know. I feel like the, the game narratively is trying to tell you, like, I think it's pretty much all building up to the last choice, where it's like, do you want to keep the creator base or destroy it like basically do you side with like do you do you do you think the elusive man's kind of a a cool guy or do you not want him to you know succeed or whatever and i think that it just like does a really muddled and bad job of that because you have to keep working with cerberus so the text can't make you be like this is stupid the whole time so like they they kind of give you some reason to think that Cerberus is maybe actually good now, but, like, at the same mm-hmm. time, they're constantly doing things that are showing you that, like, actually, these guys are assholes. Like, yeah. when, like, the I think the, the thing that I remember the most is when, like, the dis- like the fake distress signal comes through, and it, like, kind of leads you into, like, a trap-type mm-hmm. situation. And then you lose a man's like, oh, that was necessary, so you guys wouldn't, I don't know, like, that was a necessary precaution on my part, or it was, like, because then they would have traced the signal or whatever. And it's like, okay, um, that's kind of shady, but we have to keep working with you, so we're not allowed to be like, uh, that's that's unacceptable, and we will cease operations or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, well, you, and there's like multiple times where like Shepard too to like their you know like old crewmates who are seeing them now and who are like, what the fuck are you doing? They're like, you know, like I'm still in charge. I'm giving the orders, but you have side missions where like you are doing Cerberus's dirty work. You are recovering data for them. You are like 
looking for lost operatives who have sensitive information like and there's one where like yeah you have the choice where you can send like Cerberus information to the alliance but like why are you there Aaron boy in the first place (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I I think it's really unfortunate that Mass Effect 2 has this really weird framing about it because I actually like the characters of the game the most in Mass Effect 2 Mm -hmm. um and like the the squad mates that you can have and like the 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 way the it's set up for you to interact with all of them um but it is like a super weird framing because some of them are you know pro cerberus and some of them are anti cerberus and it's all very like you said very like the enemy of my enemy is my friend it's like why would some of these people actually be here you know like jack jack like it goes against kind of jack's character to stick Mm -hmm. around yeah, Jack but, is like it's so weird recruiting Jack because she's at first just like absolutely like, fuck you get the fuck away from me like absolutely not and then by the end she's just like oh I guess I'll like use you to get info on Cerberus question mark like yeah and it's like okay so <laughs> jumping way ahead here but I did save the creator base um and when you do that all the characters are like. I don't think you should have done that. Even though when you're do- making the choice, the game has a program so that one of the characters is like, maybe you should save the base. But even that character after the game is like, mm-hmm. I think that was a bad decision. So it's like, I-, I just didn't think the text made it clear enough what side you're supposed to be on. Um, because it's it's necessary for you to think that like, not to be completely anti-Cerberus, but then after the game is over and after all that is done, it's like actually you were an idiot for thinking that Cerberus was even slightly good. So, well, like, Bonnie, they... Ooh, uh, go I was, ahead, Jess. No, I was, I did the same thing. Like because you are kind of like misled a bit. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels like the game wants you to think like in a way where like yes, they are too extreme about it, but like the middle ground and like what Shepard is currently like walking on right now is like kind of like where you're supposed to be really so like when you get to that point you're like okay well like you know fuck Cerberus but at the same time like eh, maybe they have like a valid point and like this could help us fight against the Reapers and like we need everything that we can get and then of course in fucking three it turns out they just used it for human supremacy (laughs) shit but like (laughs) I did the same thing because I was like oh yeah because one of your characters does say like you know it might not be a bad idea like we could use all the help that we can get and i was like fuck you're right like it feels kind of weird but like maybe you're right maybe i should do this and then everybody's like whoa what the fuck bro yeah it is interesting how that kind of runs counter to what we were talking about earlier about how the whole game is kind of about like let's put aside our differences for the sake of this bigger goal and if you have that in mind then it seems like an easy choice to like save the creator base because it's like okay maybe they can actually help us and we can like deal with the repercussions later because we have this like cataclysmic event that's going to come and annihilate the whole galaxy. But then it just turns out to be like a, a good versus bad thing once again. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's it, like, ooh, go ahead, Jess. Oh, I was just gonna say one quick thing too. There are so many other instances within the games too where like there is some like shitty scientific stuff going on and you are like nine times out of 10, like your response to that is like, no, this is like unethical, like fucking stop right like that is like generally how this plays out like that is the paragon choice and so like with that one thing in particular (laughs) like it feels like so much less shitty than all of the other things that you just had to deal with to where like you get to that point and you're like okay well like 
nobody is in like a fucking test tube and and there's no like genocide like it feels like a safe choice to be like okay here is an opportunity where we can actually use something for research and like nobody is going through excruciating pain or torture and like it's wrong so but like by by comparison to everything else it feels a little bit better so it's like a weird choice so the thing with Cerberus for me I think more and more, especially with this conversation, is the fact that, right, there's two things happening. And one is that they are trying to signpost that the elusive man specifically is probably not great. And I think they rely a little bit too heavily on the fact that his eyes look like that. Um <laughs> Because, like, it's a, it ends up being a pretty big giveaway as to what's to come, but you don't really realize that until 3. Um, because, like, it's a future game. Like, why wouldn't he have funky eyes? Um, but 2, they also give you Jacob and Miranda, who are your, like, first two companions, and they're human, but they're Cerberus people, and they're both, like, you know, Cerberus, or not Cerberus, Jacob is very charming, he's very personable, um, he multiple times is like, you know, I was in the Alliance, but I was let down by the system, that's why I'm here in Cerberus, it's not because, like, I hate aliens, like, I'm not about that shit, um, and he does later go on to, like, back that up in his actions in 3, um, and then Miranda, Miranda has boobs, and <laughs> and an ass, um, <laughs> Miranda is, uh, the eugenics queen, um, and she is very, like, loyal to Cerberus. And so, like, I think it's hard because these two characters kind of do a lot of the heavy lifting to paint this version of Cerberus as, like, mm -hmm. not being that bad. Yeah, for sure. And then there's not an equivalent heavy lifting to be, like, just kidding, they're pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... So Jacob, like... Jacob feels less bad to me than Miranda Miranda yes. was kind of interesting because so like when I first played the game I kind of liked Miranda a lot um and then from that point I always carried it in my head that like Miranda was kind of like a sympathetic character because like she was basically like made to be this ex experimentation and perfection right and had had all of this thrust onto her and these expectations and like had to live with that and was like kind of traumatized from that and like so I, I don't know, like I went into it and I kind of like, I don't know, like I, not related is the wrong word, but like I had like some sympathy for it because like it is parallel to a lot of like issues that women have as far as the expectations placed on them and like them being seen as basically an object, kind of like how Miranda is. She's very much seen as like, you know, either a weapon or like a sex symbol. And like that's and just kind of does the same thing to her. <laughs> from, yeah. Like, a oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing though, so I went back and I played it the second time. I like Miranda a whole lot fucking less, unfortunately. Um, I think. Yeah. Um. Sorry. I just think that um, my main problem with Miranda and with most of the female characters in the game actually is that no matter how interesting they are they're it's always offset by the knowledge that they are romanceable so like mm. and bioware makes it so fucking obvious when a character is romanceable like i was just thinking about this with like garrus in one versus two in one he's just some fucking guy and then in two <laughs> he like saunters onto the screen 
and like yeah they made like, Gary significantly like, sexier in two he kind of like, <laughs> like sprawls out and like kind of props his sniper rifle up between his like knees or whatever and it's like okay so he's a romance option now it's very very clear and that kind of like that very negatively affects the way that the female characters in the series are treated i think because it's so obvious when they're supposed mm-hmm. to be romance options mm-hmm. and like it just makes them like it that just kind of takes over their character for me which is why it's like really hard for me to you know actually enjoy them and I think I, my, that's why my favorite like female character in the series is kasumi actually because she she doesn't even have a romance Fox. option she's kasumi awesome kasumi is fucking yeah. amazing i, I absolutely she's love great because she's allowed to be like a freak and a little bit of a weirdo um mm-hmm. and like there's no ulterior She's also motive just for that. so horny for Jacob, and it's very I, funny. <laughs> it's really funny. I thought it's that was so really funny because she has this like deep, like tragic love story that's like still this baggage for her. But then she like sees Jacob in his tight little Cerberus suit, and she's like, "Ooh." <laughs> I thought that was really charming, actually. I love it. One. It's and I was so like, good. I was thinking, wow, I wish we could have actually seen more of that in two. Because yeah. I think the thing that three does better than two is obviously like squad mate interactions. Like mm-hmm. they didn't do that in two very much. I I would have loved to yeah. see more interactions between the cast in two because I think the Mass Effect two cast was the best one that they've had. Definitely. For sure, I agree. My favorite thing about three related to two was when you do Kasumi's like, um, like I don't know what to call it, her guest mission because mm-hmm. she's not like a part of your team ever, um, except for this mission, um, like when you're trying to talk her into um joining the team again she at one point is like is jacob back and you're like no and he she's like damn if jacob was back i would have come back that's so yeah, I good that was really funny. I, I love her I, like, well, I wish i had seen like i wish i had seen more of their interactions in the second game back when yeah, they were i feel like games. in my mind i'm like i feel like my headcanon for that is just that like kasumi just like spies on him because like I can't imagine them talking. I think yeah. that in I think that she just has a thing for you know for for beefy men because I think she makes a similar comment about James in the third one. Okay, so we are actually going to take a brief break because this podcast is going on for a very very long time, uh, and we'll be back in just a few seconds for you guys um, with more on Mass Effect Two. Bye. And now we are back, and I have in my notes that what we were talking about is uh, how I don't like Miranda. So that's what we're going to jump to. So it's like, okay, it's not that I don't like Miranda, though, because I have in here just, like, more on not liking Miranda, which is very harsh to, like, read. But I think that, like, playing Mass Effect 2 now versus when I, like, saw her as a more sympathetic character, like, she's definitely kind of the epitome of white woman tears, right? Like, to where I yeah. feel like you're, like you're really supposed to, like, pity her and feel bad for her when, like, she makes a lot of these choices herself and is, like, really shitty towards a lot of people because she's, like, so fixated on herself and her feels all the time. hmm I don't know. So it's, like, I played that and I just, I found her a lot more icky this go around because like, I was, like, at some point you kind of have to take a little bit of accountability for the shit that you're doing. Yeah, it's 100% the whole, like, oh, like, I was a victim at one point, therefore, like, Mm. you know, my actions are justified. And it's like, no, like, you gotta still, like, deal with your shit. Mm -hmm. 
and not be being an asshole to everybody. Like, we all have problems, Miranda. Like, certainly I'm not, like, you know, the the eugenics queen of biotics, but, like, you know, everybody's got <laughs> shit. Yeah, and I think that really showed in her big argument with Jack. I really wanted to side with Jack, honestly, but unfortunately I knew that if I did, uh, one of them was going to die, and I didn't want that to happen, so... You know, yeah, I. That's just one of the reasons why I think people kind of over overrate the way that Mass Effect Two functions, because, mm. like I said yesterday about the Paragon Renegade system, it doesn't really feel like you're making these choices because you want to. You're making these choices because you want the best outcome, which doesn't feel like very organic gameplay. Mm-hmm. No, and it's truly like the game is literally like I'm going to be a centrist. To save your life. And it's like, alright. And then Mass <laughs> Effect 3 is just like more of that. <laughs> oh, wait. I just remember the biggest beef I have with Miranda has to do with the suicide mission. In the part of the suicide mission where you have to have a biotic hold up a shield for you, mm-hmm. and Miranda's like, I could do that. Actually, anyone who has biotic powers could do that. And She's just spent the entire game talking about how she's the perfect human, I guess. She's the perfect human. She's the perfect biotic. She's been, like, chemically endowed with these incredible biotic powers. But apparently, if you pick her to do that in the suicide mission, uh, she fucking dies. Mm -hmm. So what the fuck is up with that? And why was she lying to me all game? It's just, it's funny. I, like, I want to give this story the benefit of the doubt in that, like, Right, it's the idea that she was, you know, hyped up as being all that, but, like, in reality, you know, like, someone like Jack, who's human too, um, because I think there's, like, probably an argument to be made about, like, comparing her to, like, Samara, right, because Samara's, like, super old and, like, from a species that, like, naturally has biotics as opposed to, like, the fucked up way humans get it, um, but, like, the fact that Jack is, like, because I'm pretty sure if you have Jack do it, she lives. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you so... choose um, Jack, Samara, or Morinth, um, and there's one other person who's really good with biotics who lives too, but I can't remember who it is. I think it actually is just those two. Oh, is um, it? Yeah. I, maybe I was I, thinking Morinth was like the third one. Like, I thought there were like three choices, and I thought Samara and Morinth, they like. I think Miranda is the third choice. No, Miranda will die. Wrong. That's what I was saying. I think the three oh. choices that the game presents you are like those three because they're the biotics, but I think only mm-hmm. two of them work out. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, that's just part of my larger confusion i guess with the with the suicide mission and why everyone likes it so much but we can we can talk a bit about other mass effect 2 stuff before we get to like the big that piece that kind of defines the yeah game. yeah let's talk a bit more about the the loyalty missions leading up to the suicide mission and like kind of which ones i don't know there's a lot of them because there's like 12 characters in mass effect 2 which mm-hmm. I think that we all have kind of said that Mass Effect 2 is our favorite character roster. And I think part of that is like, there's just like a lot more of a variety of types of yeah, people. Yeah, there's in just Mass like Effect. a lot more characters because mm-hmm. one and two, you get like six people. Mm-hmm. And in three, one of them is DLC. So you mm-hmm. get five people, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, not in the Legendary Edition, though, because you get everything. Um, 
but yeah and then mass effect 2 you went from you know one where you're just like ah, like these people are you know like my pals but they're all kind of basic to then like Mm -hmm. you know thane like is just visually looks different and like morden is funny even though he's a war criminal and there's just like a lot more like Mm -hmm. fun vibes with yeah it's it's very what are we some kind of suicide squad and i'm really into it yeah Um, yeah (laughs) i would say out of all the loyalty missions um uh, i gotta go for my boy grunt here because i think it's just so so fun whenever we do anything krogan related and because we got to see rex again i also (laughs) just like that grunt going through puberty was him being like i'm dying (laughs) i know i'm dying and also must kill it was Basically, so good. And then I love, like, if you have, like, when you bring him to the other corners, they're like, he's not dying. He's not sick. He's fucking fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, Grunts is really good. It's also just, like, fun. Like, that little, like, Coliseum mm-hmm. challenge sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting the trophy for getting the Thresher Maw. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of who my favorite loyalty mission would be. I mean... I guess Kasumi, but she kind of feels like, because she's DLC, so it almost feels like cheating saying Kasumi, but like her, that whole like mission is so good. Stolen memory. Yeah. Yeah. I I also really like um, Thanes, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it's kind of boring. You don't really do any, you actually don't do any fighting in it. You, you truly just walk that... through the Citadel. Exactly. <laughs> you just like go on a stroll. I think it's that's nice though. for the assassin character, I though. I think that's a like, nice little version. Then I remembered liking it. I remember like not being that into that storyline, and I did enjoy it more this time. Yeah, I cared about I cared about him and his son. I remember mm-hmm. when I when I when I started Mass Effect three for the first time, and you get to talk to like I forgot his name the the officer guy, the CSEC officer. His name starts with Oh Bailey. B. Yeah, Bailey. When you talked to him for the first time, I was just like screaming at the conversation tree. I was like, please let me ask about Thane's son. I want to know how he's doing. I I really love Thane a lot. And like part of me, well, we'll talk about Mass Effect 3. Never mind. Um, but I love Thane. I also really like Thane's mission. Um, who else do I like? I like I that mean, Jacobs is kind of like that fucked up part of the Odyssey with the um flowers. Um and the like the the reveal of his dad just being a piece of shit and like crumpling under pressure, I thought was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of shows that like the alliance is fucked up a little bit more than they show otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was weird how Jacob kind of brushed it off, but uh, you know, I guess they didn't. I I appreciate that they didn't have time to like. To fully explore his feelings on the matter, I well, thought that I mean, he didn't yeah. react very proportionally to that. I mean, I guess his main they. I feel like they tried to wrap it in the whole him being like, "Yeah, like I already grieved him, so like fuck it." But it's a lot, lots of to process. Yeah, I mean, maybe you go through it more in his like romance route, which I didn't do, but you know, I, I just think that Jacob is one of those characters who. Could have been a lot more, but they it feels like they kind of cheaped out on his character a little bit. 
which is why everyone like thinks he's boring but i actually quite liked talking to him i would have liked to see i guess more dynamic dialogue with him mm-hmm. yeah the thing about human companions in this series though is they're kind of automatically boring just because like they're not aliens yeah i mean that's also very true <laughs> Because, like, yeah. I also like Jacob, like, especially more this time than I did, like, my previous times playing this one. But, like, I'm not going to pick him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's just I so have many... my son, Grunt. <laughs> exactly. There's just so many cooler characters. The only human I ever bring with me is Kasumi, because she fucking slaps, and her backstab is really overpowered. Can we? Okay, I want to... <laughs> Something that's so fucking funny about Kasumi. So I put Kasumi on my team during the I'm just talking about the suicide mission again because this just popped into my head. So you know the part of the suicide mission where you have the biotic field around you and you have to stay within that so you don't die while you like yeah. shoot people. Okay. Kasumi, I brought her in my party and then I realized I'm like, oh fuck, she's like so like close quarters. So I that was probably a mistake because she can't like What's she going to do? Like, you know, obviously she has like her pistol and stuff, but like so much of her moveset is stabbing people. Um, Turns out that like she can just not be in that force field. So I was just like watching her pop up like way out, like with all of the like little. Yeah. Yeah. And she was just stabbing (laughs) people. too, And she just goes, she just does her thing. And I was so worried. I was like, oh, she's this bitch is going to die. Just. She was just doing it. Um, I love that they were, like, they put so much, like, quote-unquote thought into, like, the way the different characters can die. And then for Kasumi, they're like, no, nah, she can just do whatever. <laughs> no, I... I there are no rules for Kasumi Goto. Kasumi is immortal, I'm convinced now. Um, so, I don't know. But I saw that I'm shit. I'm sure very that funny. Kasumi is actually a trickster god. Um, <laughs> she's gonna be the Fenharel of Mass Effect. Oh my um, god. It's a terrible, terrible joke, but um, I'm trying to think of who else had. Wait, like... can we talk about Garrus? Garrus's loyalty mission? Just I would. <laughs> Garrus's loyalty mission is actually boring. I think, but like his yeah, I don't know what the right answer was there. <laughs> yeah, but his like recruitment mission, like, can we just talk about that fucking reveal? Because like it ties into what we were talking about before we took the break of like. So, in the first game, Garrus is, like, a cop who quits being a cop because he's mad that he has to follow rules. And then, when he's with Shepard, you can, like, kind of talk him down and be like, hey, man, you need to chill the fuck out. And he, like, takes that to heart until you die, and then he's like, well, like, cox shotgun, time to go be a vigilante. (laughs) And he just starts, like, murdering gangs. And that's just, like, what he's been doing. And, yeah, like, the game frames it as, like, ooh, like, look at how badass Garrus is now. And it's, like, this man has become truly unhinged. <laughs> I, he's so problematic. Like, I do love he him. Is, I... When you find him, he is holed up in a, like, abandoned, I don't know, it's, like, an office building? Just, like murdering mercs and like being like well probably won't make it out of here but oh well and like it's I just he's such a bizarre man 
I wasn't even thinking about the moral implications of his actions. I was too blinded by the sexification of Garrus Vicarian. That's true. They do make him a lot sexier in two. They They one are like their like PowerPoint presentation for Garrus in two was like one, like he's real badass. And then like a sub bullet that's like, that means he's real fucking sexy. See, what's so funny is, like, I never thought of him as being, like, badass. Like, that's not, like, the appeal to me as a female player who who romance Garrus. Like, for me, it's just, like, he tries to do the right thing, even if it's his, like, I don't know. His heart's in the right place, but his brain is absolutely not. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's yeah. kind of like the. I feel like it's, like, the appeal to both, where it's, like, women like him because he's, like, you know, quote-unquote, like, a good guy. But, like, when he does the intro where you finally see who Archangel is and it's fucking Garrus, you know, there's, like, the gamer bro out there who's like, fuck yeah, Garrus! <laughs> yeah. See, for me, it's, like, I mean, it's the same reason why, like, women are attracted to superheroes, like Batman and shit, right? Like, obviously what they're doing is, like, morally compromised but at the same time it's that whole like oh man this person would fight for what's right and justice like and and try to do the right thing and try to be a good person in a cruel world oh you know but like it's not right but like that's what it hits is that feeling i i understand what you're saying i also feel like it's significantly worse with garris just because like he's uh uh he's he's murdering a lot of people yeah, I find it. Yeah, I think <laughs> yes. just with Mass Effect in general, I find it so hard to like to judge the relative morality of what everyone's doing <laughs> because everyone's doing fucked up shit. Actually, see, that's true, but that's why, like, in my uh, in my list of the characters <laughs> ranked by moral reprehensibility, uh, yeah, we give it a given. I'm not like I don't. The inside baseball of that list was I was like, well, everybody's killing people throughout the whole game, right? Like, you're just shooting tons of people. So, like, being a murderer is kind of meh, but, like, eh, war crimes, we can probably, like, constitute (laughs) that. Or, like, Morinth, who is, like, actively hunting people. Like, yeah, (laughs) probably a serial killer. And Thane, too, like, actively hunting people. But, like, I just... I don't know. There's something about this man being like, time to go to Omega, this lawless place, and I'm going to be the law, but I'm not going to help Morden defend his clinic. I'm just going to murder these thugs. (laughs) You know, sometimes that's just what you got to do, I guess. Well, it's just like, because I feel like that could have been... Like an opportunity, right? Like they're both on Omega, and like oh, absolutely, it would have been much better. Like you gotta fight all these fucking Vorcha and shit, like yeah. And instead, he's off playing fucking superhero, being a dipshit. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think that I, I'm very interested in how like gamer bros react to Garrus, because. I think that it is true that he he is there for like like a lot of what he does is for the purpose of guys being like hell yeah that's my buddy Garrus killing all mm-hmm. these people, but like, um, people are once very again, defensive of him. Yeah, like, I mean, I like him. I romanced him, but also I would never disagree with any criticism of him because it's all yeah, true. That's how I feel too. Like I I like him a lot, but like. 
yeah, he's a dipshit. He really is. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Like that that to me is the appeal of him though, right? Like in that scene, is it's just like even though he thinks that Shepard's died, he's like trying to do what he can to make the world a better place. He's just going about it the completely wrong way. Um and like really needs to go see a therapist. <laughs> And like Turians work out are, some things. I just think Tyrion's yeah, like, cool looking. <laughs> it's also it's part of the bigger problem again of like Mass Effect doing that thing of making like an entire species into like one culture and like one mm-hmm. monolith mm-hmm. because of the whole like all Turians are in the military and it's like really <laughs> all of them the whole planet everybody yeah. is in the mil- everybody for real. Like, yeah, they're just they're known as being like the militant fighters. Like I and and that's what they are and it's very weird. Well, and their government is like a military based mm-hmm. hierarchy thing. I don't know what that's called. Um it's just yeah. It's Garrus is not great. <laughs> that's fair. Um I don't know. It's like Bonnie said, though. It's very hard to kind of judge anybody in this game. There really aren't very many people who I'm like, ah, okay, like... Sumigoto has done nothing wrong. Yeah, because Sumi is actually probably... Also, Grunt, nothing Grunt. wrong. Yeah. Grunt will never do anything wrong in his whole life, so... No, Grunt is perfect, and <laughs> he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, and I would even argue that, like, Rex is not too bad, too. Rex he's, isn't that bad. He's a merc, yeah. but, like... And a warlord. Have, and a warlord. But I feel like, considering... Well, he kind of takes a break treatment, from, like, warlording to be like, hey, we gotta, like, rehabilitate our culture. Yeah. Which no, I he... think is good. He's fairly progressive for the Krogans. <laughs> yes. And he is a, he's, he's a feminist. Party he's a feminist. Oh my god. Um, I mean, he canonically is a feminist if you if you make the right choices. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though for a lot of the game, a lot of his dialogue is very women be shopping, I think that's okay. <laughs> oh my god. Um. So, who have we not talked about? Um, how do y'all feel about Tally and Tally? I actually really like Tally's loyalty mission in two. Hmm. I like her arc. Um, the the sun thing in her loyalty mission is like a fun twist. The sun thing. The thing in, when you go, um, you you can't walk in the sun because it burns your shield. Oh wait, that's just getting her. No. Her loyalty mission is the one where where you have to go on the ship where her father died or whatever. Oh, and you have to I'm the smashing trial. them together. Yeah, yeah. The loyalty mission's fucked up. Like, yeah, if you don't have, yeah. like, if you don't have, like, perfect Paragon after you find out, like, the shit her dad did, you would, like, mm-hmm. your only options are either to, like, do the thing she super doesn't want you to or to just, like, watch her get banished from her people. Yeah, it's fucking rough. Yeah, I guess that's true. I have my paragon high enough to where like I was able to do that. I was like, oh, this is a good mission. But like, I feel like if you don't, then yeah, that would actually really suck. Yeah, I not this playthrough, but in a previous playthrough, I had that happen where I Mm. 
just had to like let her be banished because like she, yeah and it sucked i was like fuck mm-hmm. just on tally in general um i like her but again i just feel like she's like supposed to be like this quirky ish sort of character like the fact that when you meet her she tells you that she is pretty much going on her like ritual to become an adult that kind of springer yeah basically it just and then like the fact that you can like romance her directly after in the next game it just makes me very like aware of who this game is made for because Mm. in in throughout the series it's pretty much the women that you see in this series is human woman, uh, blue woman, and woman with mask. And they're all basically essentially the same. It's just that they, some of them are slightly more alien than the others. Um, so, yeah, that's just my larger problem, though. I think Tali is fine as a character, um, although she also is a little bit racist and nobody really talks about it. Yeah. yeah. There's like the stuff with like the stuff with the Geth. And the Quarians is a lot. A, a lot, yeah. Just well, especially because like I don't know why Bioware is so obsessed with having like weird mishmashes of like different cultures that like each have their own disparate struggles that like, you know, don't really mesh together. Because they do it with Dragon Age 2 and the elves. And it's just like, why are y'all doing this? Like, this is so much mm-hmm. to handle for the sake of, like, lore, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, especially, like, I don't, it kind of does feel like that. Because you already have the whole Turian, Solarian, Krogan, like, stuff going on. And then it's like they also have that with the Geth and, I was about to say the Sith. <laughs> with the Geth and the uh, Quarians. and it's it's a lot that that Bioware's doing in this game as far as like political relations between these these people. Yeah, well, then it gets even wilder once you do Legion side mission or loyalty mm-hmm. mission, whatever. Because like your choice there is, do you destroy all the two? It's so wild that they like they go from in Mass Effect One like. It's just flat out, like, the Geth are bad, like, the Geth are, and, like, hostile to, um, what's it called, like, organic life. And then in 2, all of a sudden, it's like, no, it's actually just, like, a weird splinter cell of the Geth. The rest of mm-hmm. us are pretty chill. And it's like, what? Like, enough of you to fill a whole game with, like, bullet fodder were heretics, quote-unquote? Like, what? And then the choice at the end is, like, either you reprogram the heretic Geth and, like, brainwash them, essentially, into believing what, like, the rest of the Geth do, or you just, like, destroy them. And mm. and they, pres- like, you could even bring up the moral, like, quandary of it, and Shepard can even ask, like, Legion, why are you letting me decide this? And they're just like, because I can't make a decision. And you're like, oh, sick okay and i don't know honestly you know what i so because i had the same the same thing with like i remember asking like doing the branching dialogue paths and like getting all of those and like asking legion because i was like i don't fucking know this seems weird 
uh, this seems like something I shouldn't be deciding. But if you ask him, like, why he can't choose, he'll tell you that, like, 53% are in favor of rewriting and, like, the 47%. Like, like he gives yeah, you the it's, percentages. it's not a big enough margin of, like, one way or the other for Legion to feel comfortable, like, making a decision. It's not, mm-hmm. but that's what I based my decision off of. I was like, I'm just going with the majority because I'm not doing this. I was just I, like, well, they're computers, so I guess it's fine if they're rewritten. <laughs> I think that choice actually that choice actually also affects something in Mass Effect 3. It affects the big like Tali Legion standoff, mm-hmm. really. And um I think that if you rewrite them and don't destroy them, then it neg- like it, you don't get points towards maybe getting the best ending. Uh which is total bullshit, I think. Um, yeah. because the game really does not make that clear like which one is the quote-unquote right answer mm-hmm. even though one of them very clearly points towards the right outcome and i think that's because they were just pulling shit out of their ass um yeah the for the second region game. thing feels very like the fact that you don't meet him till the very them till the very end is like it's just weird the pacing's extremely mm-hmm. weird yeah and um i love legion legion is my friend legion is another (laughs) one that's never committed any crimes but um that said the pacing and introduction of legion is bad yeah you you get them so late that it just really you barely have any time to get to know him they like they have legion has like on one of their shoulders like a piece of your N7 armor. Yeah. And, and you just, like, don't really address it? <laughs> like, I'm sure you, there's probably, like, a side dialogue where you can talk to them about it, but it's, like, why, I feel like, if it were me, I would be, like, hey, friend, uh, weird little geth that's been Loki stalking us, what's up with that? Would <laughs> you, uh, Where'd you get that guy? Cause like, what the fuck? No, I I agree. I think that the way that like, I think that the way that both Legion and Edie are handled um is very strange in these games God. too, where it feels Let's- like the game can't decide if it wants you to consider them as like having their own agency or not. <laughs> Which is fucked up in 3 because there's the whole thing about, like, in the Legion and Tally standoff, there's the whole thing about, like, Legion asking if it has a soul. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you, you know, do it correctly or whatever, quote-unquote correctly, like, Tally will say, like, yes. Um, mm-hmm. So. And again, Legion is my friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's whole i don't know there's just (laughs) it's such a mess it's such a mess legion is my friend and i let half of my crew die to do his loyalty mission and i would (laughs) do it again i would do it again (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well my crew didn't die oh did you not go Um, yeah i didn't go immediately i was not told about that (laughs) i did one mission before i went and it was legion's loyalty mission which caused half of my crew to die which is another thing i think is bullshit about the suicide mission but whatever i think there's 
I'm trying to think because I think I you... saved, I saved most of my crew, but because I saved like like Kelly and Doctor Chocolate lived. I know that. I think that's all. I think that's all yeah. of the crew then. Because if Kelly dies, then that means half of the crew died. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, no. you saved your crew. So, so that's okay. Something there has to be something then because I did Legion's thing too, so and I was still able it, to get them. Yeah, apparently. Is, oh, yeah, you can probably explain it better. Oh no! What is so? That. You have to do every single loyalty mission prior to like to getting the IFF, um, and then once you get the IFF and you get Legion, um, you basically have like one thing that you can do. So like, I immediately just did Legion's um, loyalty thing because I had everybody else's done, and then once you get back from that mission, it triggers the whole like cutscene. Joker with, Ed thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, where like the crew is stolen and Joker has to like Yeah, that okay, yeah. that's what happened for me. And I was Yeah, I got and then my once, boy. Once my. that happens though, um you have to go immediately or else you lose your crew. Oh, okay. I actually read that um after that happens, if you didn't do Legion's loyalty mission yet by that point, you can like talk to him first and then the game mm-hmm. will like grant you an extra mission slot just so you can do that and not oh. lose half your crew as well. Um, but I guess I didn't talk to him after I did that because it didn't count as an extra mission slot and I just, well, half my crew died. Interesting, and, uh, yeah. I don't know, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's, okay, and that was actually something that, like, I had on this, like, little question list as far as, like, do you think, and originally I wrote this with the suicide mission in mind and, like, who you delegate to which position, but do you think choices like that that's fair or did did it feel like really shitty to you okay so the suicide mission at large um i think a lot of my perception of it is colored by the fact that people think of it as like the defining feature of mass effect 2 right like people are like this is the greatest game mission in the history of missions because it's so intricate and there's so many choices you have to make and people can die which is super interesting for some reason um I definitely think that it was a very, like, like, how well do you know your teammates type deal, other than the Miranda bullshit. Uh, when it's, like, who you want to choose as your squad, the, the strike team leader, or who you want to choose to, you know, do some hacking stuff, you kind of have to be like, okay, well, I know Tali, I know she's, like, a technology, a, a technology gal, so I'll send her through the vents, or, or, like, I know Jacob and Miranda are used to like leading small teams or whatever, so I can send them as the leader of their team. But honestly, I I didn't think that it was as complicated as people make it out to be because it's it's fairly linear. It's just a series of choices that don't really interact with each other all that much. Mm-hmm. And also and there's just a bunch of stuff that the game doesn't tell you. Like for example, the thing with where you have to go like immediately, there's no way of knowing that's not just like game logic because like in game logic, you can do like a thousand side quests and basically yeah. no time has passed in the main quest. So they don't really make that clear to you. And mm-hmm. also later on, I looked at a flow chart. Okay. I looked at a flow chart for the suicide mission to determine exactly what the fuck happens there. There is a hidden strength stat that you have to you have to go by that 
The game tells you literally nothing about this. It's all supposed to be intuition. And it's also a hidden statistic. Like, the characters don't have statistics in this game. But every character has, like, a hidden strength number. And if the number of characters... If the characters that you send to, quote-unquote, like, hold the line, which is, like, when you take your little squad up to do the final fight, and you leave a bunch of characters behind to, like, hold off the incoming forces, if those characters don't have a high enough average strength stat, um, they start dying. And that is so mind-boggling to me because they don't they don't tell you the statistics they don't tell you any of that it's just a hidden thing and if you if you make the wrong choice then um then just one of your one of your party dies for no reason so i just think that people kind of oversell this mission as like this really cool intricate thing where like every decision matters because actually every decision doesn't matter um if you don't know what you're deciding yeah i definitely agree I didn't even know about the strength thing. Like, I've mm-hmm. never lost anybody on these missions, so I guess I've lucked out and just, like, had yeah. strong enough people. So but, like, I completely lucked wild. out there. Because apparently, so the, the three characters with the highest strength stat are Garrus, Runt, and Zaid. And you need at least two of them to stay behind in order for your strength stat to be, very average strength stat to be high enough. And I usually take Grunt and Garrus with me because I like my alien boys. But for some reason in the last mission, when I was making that choice, I was like, uh, you know what, maybe I'll take like Jack instead of Grunt. And it turned out that if I had taken Grunt and Garrus like I usually do, um, Morden would have died. So it's it was it's pretty much all luck. And like it's so stupid that you have to make that choice based on like the game doesn't even tell you that it is a choice, is the thing. Yeah. So it, it just seems like a regular old party, a pick your party. So, yeah, I, I just think that that part is is really weird and it kind of like symbol. It's, it's kind of emblematic of what the suicide mission is like. And I'm I'm not sure why people think of it as so good. I guess I, I think it's, I think it's ju- a product I think it's of the time. Thing. Yeah, it, I, it definitely feels like that. It definitely feels like something that also was probably seemed really cool to me if I was playing it when I was like 16, which is what everyone else was doing, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and I just like, I think a lot of games hadn't done like choice-based stuff in that way because like the weird thing about it too is like my first Mass Effect 2 playthrough, I fucked up the Jack and Miranda thing because of a bug. And so uh, Miranda wasn't loyal. And um, because of that, if Miranda's not loyal, Whoever you send into the vents gets shot in the fucking face with a missile. Yeah, um, the choices don't really seem to have a lot to do with each other. No, so it's like, there's no reason that you would know that. There's no reason that you would know that, like, Miranda being pissed at you means that, like, in my case, Tally's gonna die. Um, But the only one that, like, kind of makes sense is when they give you the thing to, like, pick somebody to, like, take the survivors back to the ship or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, wh- whoever you send for that is then, like, gone, actually, and you can't have them do anything else. Um, but that's, like, the only one. Yeah. I, I yeah, it's just... Sorry, you go ahead. No, I, was, I don't even mind the stuff, like, picking your biotics expert or, like, picking somebody who you know can, like, go through the the pipes and, like, can withstand like the heat and like do the techno tech stuff like 
I don't mind that because it kind of almost feels like a, ooh, do you know your team? Have you been paying attention to their loyalty missions? Mm -hmm. Like what they're about? But like the consequences and like the domino effect that they can have on other things is weird. Like I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a set order for the characters to die in that like, if you make wrong decisions, even if those decisions have nothing to do with those characters, you can just lose characters randomly. Like, I could understand if you make the wrong choice to send, like, if you make the wrong choice of sending someone who's unsuited for it through the vents, then they die. But, like, I don't know, just just weird other decisions influencing outcomes that have nothing to do with those decisions is mm-hmm. just, I don't know, it's also probably to do with the limitations of making a game and, like, designing a mission like that, so... I'm, it's not really too much of a problem. I just think that, um, I just think that there's some hidden stuff that you, you're not really told. That uh, is, it's not. It's like it's not complex game design if it literally just withholds information from you. I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. And like, I guess you could argue that like having that element of like randomness or not quite knowing like makes it more authentic but like I don't know I don't necessarily believe in like I don't think that that's what they were going for (laughs) so I don't know the thing is there is there is kind of an internal logic to it like Mm -hmm. if you leave like weaker physically weaker characters like Morden or Kasumi to you know hold the line against an oncoming wave of enemies then they will be less likely to succeed than like more physically yeah. tanky or beefy characters. But like the game also literally doesn't tell you that. And also Zaid, the highest strength stat, a human. Well, like, would you ever think that? They gave yeah. them all. It sounds like they gave all the soldiers the highest strength stat. Mm-hmm. It's like the two soldier characters and then Garrus. Garrus is actually kind of the odd one out there. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking like you would expect like an alien to be a little more like tanky i guess i don't um, know garris has half his face fucking blown off he's not like <laughs> at full capacity that is true yeah and it goes through the entire game with like half of his face hanging off <laughs> that is true they did make him beefier for the second game though because you know the sexification of Garrus. They the made Karen. him sexier a lot. <laughs> they made him like two x sexier. I hate that so much. <laughs> I can't help it that Bioware is painfully obvious when they have a romance option for you. The way like, that he, the way that he face. moves, and the way that he talks <laughs> is so just like different. No. They they one hundred like especially the way he talks though they amp it up into so much because in the first one he's very much like shepherd you know like I don't know it's like very very normal but then in that one he's like fucking purring at you yeah he's like (laughs) shepherd and you're like okay you need to calm down sir you need to get back up actually my thought okay I want to talk about the Garrus romance real quick I. don't like it that much i think that people like it because they like garris and i like garris too but i actually um insofar as shepherd is like their own character i don't think that they work romantically very well i think that i think they're great as like best friends i like but i don't know i i didn't really it's maybe my problem with seeing shepherd as like their own character or whatever but i i didn't really i didn't really think it was as good as people made it out to be which seems to be like a lot of this game for me 
Yeah, that makes sense. I love the Garrus Shepherd romance. That's so wild. Like, I, I think that their interactions are so cute, but... I thought so, too, but I just think that, I don't know, there's something about it wasn't right for me. Maybe it was just, like, the way that I saw Shepard, though, because I acknowledge yeah. that, like, romances have a lot to do with how you see the player, like, the character that you're playing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I like Garrus, but I, I didn't really care about the romance um, that much. Uh, I enjoyed it. Because I got to romance Garrus, but I I I don't think that like as far as Shepherd goes, I you know what my Shepherd my Shepherd um is celibate, and I think that's okay. That that's what Shepherd is in my canon. No, honestly, I think that's fair. Like all of the romances kind of have like a little bit of weirdness with them with Shepherd. I feel like can so that use, makes sense. Can we use this to pivot to talking about Liara? Because yeah. okay. <laughs> Let's so, talk about Mass Effect 2 Liara. Because Ty, about, I know you have I know you have let's feelings. Let's talk about Liara in general. Welcome to the fucking PowerPoint presentation about Liara and why she fucks. Um, because in the first game, she's just like this weird little nerd who's like just like left everything to like go look at like artifacts. And even, like, when you deal with Benezia, she's like, I haven't even, like, talked to her in, like, decades. Like, I'm truly just, like, doing my own thing. And she's just, like, this big dork. And then, like, I feel like the relationship between Shepard and Liara just makes the beginning of two so much more impactful. Because, like, Liara is the person who's there with you while the ship is, like, getting destroyed. And then when you find her on Ilium later, you find out that she's the one who gave you to Cerberus. And it was, like, a really weird, hard, fucked up decision for her because she, like, was really desperate to get you back and she was, like, willing to do anything. But, like, she knew that giving you to service was probably, like, a bad decision. Um, And I think all of that just gets really heightened by the, like, romance factor. Um, Especially because in two, like, you're not together anymore and you can, like, push that issue and be like, hey, like, you're being really cold to me or whatever and she has like the whole thing which i think happens even if you don't romance her of, of her saying like i grieve for you like it's been two years like i did what i could to save you but like i had to keep living my life like we can't just like you know press play like nothing happened um and i think like it just it just slaps i just think it's good also she's way cooler in two she's a badass and then she becomes a shadow broker and she's sick <laughs> I. I don't know. I I think Liara is fine. I I wish that I liked her more. Um, it's okay to be wrong. I know. I I'm trying to think. I'm trying to like pin down what it is with Liara. I don't know. I think I just have a problem with the Asari in general. <laughs> I, it's nothing to do I with like the Asari because I'm a too. mark, and I can fully admit that. I also I just do like Liara's storyline. Hmm. Yeah. I just think that. I don't know. I think something about the Asari puts me off. Actually, I don't know why I said something. I know exactly what about the Asari puts me off. It's because they're basically just made for men. Yeah. Um, so I find it hard to, like, see past that whenever one of them comes on. But also, yeah, I mean, I acknowledge that a lot of the reason why I don't think Liara is that interesting is because I never really, like, talked to her or furthered my shepherd's relationship with her. Um it's possible that I would like her more if I had actually engaged in that, but I was kind of um, speeding through Mass Effect 1. I think I didn't even realize until, like, 
three three quarters of the way through that I could talk to people on the <laughs> ship. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of her like a lot of what sets her up happens in one. And I didn't really get a lot of that. So throughout the series, she was kind of um, not that interesting to me. I yeah, think she kind of I... has a similar arc to Leliana from Dragon Age, and I just, I think I just like that, like, archetype. Yeah. Um, and I just think it's good. I like watching Liara, like, kind of grow. I feel like she's the person that you see the most, like, actual growth from in terms of, like, your original companions like her and Rex mm-hmm. I think show the most like development as people mm-hmm. I would agree with that yeah I think that maybe like partially Bonnie what you're saying about like the Asari just being like coded a very certain way like does maybe impact how I see Liara too because like that's I I mentioned earlier like Liara seems very like forced on you and like that's mm-hmm. kind of how and like even her because like everything that you said about how she talks to you ty in the second game when you come back like she says that just as your friend like i feel like in order to not romance her i have to repeatedly be like chill like please stop please stop please stop because like she makes everything into like i want to touch your face and tell you how much like i need you and there's just something about that like that kind of like throws me a bit <laughs> yeah um so i don't know because sure. she, she does it a lot um so i think i think that that's part of it and like even in the first one it feels very much like just just the whole whenever she does the mind meld with you she's like i need to go lay down and it's like you're supposed to think that she's like fragile or so i i don't know it's just there's something weird no about they, the way- they absolutely that's it's like what we were talking about like earlier like i i think that Liara is the person that Shepard is supposed to romance. Yeah. Like, Liara is yeah, the canon choice. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I, would, I would say that that's Even seems... just, like, narratively, Liara is the choice. Like, I feel like you see that in the through line, especially finding out that, like, she is the one who went out of her way to, you know, get you. Mm-hmm. And, like, like, Jess, I love you, but if we died, like, We'd be dead. Sorry. <laughs> wow, you don't think that I wouldn't get your body and give it to uh, a member of a white supremacist group and tell them to resurrect you? Hope that you wouldn't. <laughs> Only you have this technology. Bring back Ty, please. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I. God. I yeah. I get Liara. I get why so many people like Liara. Um but I guess to me, yeah. It's just I think you know it's frustrating about so many like female romance options in video games just in general is I feel like it's either characters like Jack who are just like I'm badass and I don't give a fuck about you or it's like people like Liara where it's like <laughs> I can't live without you. I can't live without you. And it's like, why can't or like you're the like, most you're the most interesting person I've ever met. I need to look yeah. inside your brain. Yeah. I just want like a fucking yeah. woman like Jacob, right? Who's just minding their own <laughs> fucking business. And like, you know. And like that's the thing with Miranda too. Miranda's the same way. It's like it's it's like that sense of like tragedy and like, but you're the only one who understands. And like 
really I might seem tough but deep down I'm like broken inside you know Jack is like that too yeah Mm -hmm. it's I don't know it's just weird it's like they're all shades of like the same type of like male fantasy well and like Kelly because you can romance Kelly too and her whole thing is just being like I'm a slutty bisexual and I love everybody but I especially love you, Commander. And it's like, yeah. okay, Kelly. All right, go feed the fish. I relate to Kelly. <laughs> yeah, when I you- actually, I actually think that like my favorite romance that I have technically done, but like I ended up going back after I did it because I felt bad. Uh, was Thane's like, and Thane, his romance is really good. It's really sweet. Um. I don't know. I I like Thane a lot just as a character. Um, And I think that like he has like that tragedy that some of these characters do, but in like a more sincere way. Um, Because he's like, yeah, he's just like, he's sick. Yeah. Like he's not, it's not like some big, huge, ridiculous stakes. It's just he has an illness. Yeah. His whole thing is like he. He was an assassin. He lived with his, he had a wife and a son. Um, I guess, like, after one of his missions, like, people came and killed his wife. And then he essentially abandoned his son because he was so fixated on getting revenge for those people, for his wife and killing those people um, that, you know, he, he left his son and he went and he finally got his revenge. And then he realized afterwards that he, like, fucked up and he wasn't there for his son, which is why his loyalty mission has to do with, like, save like preventing him from becoming like his dad it's really funny um, that coliat is like fuck you dad i'm gonna be just like you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah i think that it's interesting because bane definitely feels like the character that they put in after they realized that women do also want to fuck aliens because yeah. Something that really that I was really 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 thinking about. I would say arguably women want to fuck (laughs) aliens more than men. Seriously, and I was thinking that all through the first game because I knew what the romance options were. I knew that it was just the two humans and Liara, who's basically just a blue woman. Um, And I was thinking like it's so funny how they made this whole game, and then they didn't realize that women would actually want to fuck the aliens too. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that they they were just so unadventurous about it, like they the the Asari and like Liara in general are there to to fulfill like a specific male fantasy of like fucking an alien, but the alien is not that weird looking, you know. It's basically just like a lady, but she's blue and she can mind melt with you. So yeah, Thane definitely feels like a direct response to that, like. Like, okay, you wanted a sexy alien guy? Well, here's your fucking sexy alien guy. He's traumatized. You can fix him. <laughs> no, but you're not so really because right. he's gonna die. <laughs> no, you're so right. God, it, like, and it's funny, Ty, you're like arguably more like women want to fuck aliens more. And it's so true. This is something that kills me. And like, I've almost wanted to like go off and do like a, a little tiny Twitter rant about it because it drives me crazy. It's like so many people give women shit for thirsting after like Thane or Garrus. And it's like, y'all are just fucking boring. Serious. <laughs> like, stop, exactly. stop giving. They always, they're like, oh, like, like, I don't know. They look like a fucking bug or they look like a bird or whatever. And it's like, 
men don't really want to fuck aliens. They think they do, but it's really no, just, they just a woman. Fuck, they just want to <laughs> fuck like big titty lady, but blue. Yeah, exactly. Or like, a you... big titty lady, but have mask on. Because here's the thing. If they made like a sexy Krogan, women would fuck a sexy Krogan. I don't think <laughs> any guy would fuck a sexy Krogan woman. I mean, I there is gay men. Would fuck. There are a lot of gay men who would okay, be very straight men, sexy straight Krogan. men, straight cis men. I feel like yeah, a lot of them wouldn't want to fuck a Krogan woman. The demographic for the game is straight cis men. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, Mass um, Effect just feels very heterosexual. I don't know how else to say. But yeah, it doesn't. It like it's weird because it's like, as a woman, you always kind of have a queer choice, even if it's not yeah. like ideal. Yeah, that's um, another thing about Liara in general. It just feels very like, I don't know. It I also, a lot of RPGs will do this now, and I'm thinking of like Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is one that I that I uh, have enjoyed. Um, where it feels like Same. a lot of the, it feels like a lot of the queer female options are not like, it's not really like quote unquote representation because it doesn't feel very authentic because it feels mm-hmm. like it's there for men to kind of gawk at, you know, mm-hmm. men will like play the female character and then romance will be like, oh, two girls, you know, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel very authentic to me, which is why like, I respect why people like Liara for that reason, but I can't really get into it in the same way. No, I completely understand. And I kind of feel the same way with Liara. But it's all, it's all like perspective, you know? Like, I know that it yeah, probably feels different. Just, but... Yeah, it's just not for me. Um, I think it, it also would have been different, again, if I'd been playing it when I was younger and there weren't really yeah. a lot of like gay female romances for me to, for me to uh, play through or really understand. Um, and yeah, that I, I can, I can understand if I were, if I were younger. Um, and I was playing it, and I, I, I would have liked it a lot more, I think. But as it is now, I can't really get into it. Because unfortunately, um, uh, I have a more developed brain and uh, uh, know more about myself and uh, about reading media. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no matter what, though, we'll never have as terrible time as uh, gay men have in, oh, yeah, in for these sure. games. Like, God... Yeah. In Mass Effect One, um, you don't even have anybody because you, you can only. You don't do have anybody it. till three. Yeah, you don't have yeah. anyone till three. Um, and God, even like because I was just thinking about Fire Emblem because you said that like mm-hmm. you only have one Fire option Emblem in Fire Emblem. You have Linhart. That's it. Yeah, like that's it. I think like, or they with- patched in Yuritsa as well, but that's also you know. <laughs> yeah. God. So I yeah. Yeah, let's not devolve into talking about Fire no, Emblem. No, so we'll be here for another four hours. <laughs> will be we um, have an article about the gay male romances over on uppercutcrit.com though ooh. so yep <laughs> uh plug that there um so i guess like unless somebody has something more to say about loyalty mission we even really talked about the suicides the suicide squad, <laughs> the suicide <laughs> the suicide squad. <laughs> this is now a dc podcast what are we some kind of suicide squad <laughs> um but yeah i don't know i I think that we probably covered Mass Effect 2 pretty thoroughly. Then. Oh, even... the one thing I want to cover mm, is... Overlord? No, fuck Overlord. Oh. We're not even going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> it sucks. It sucks ass. It sucks ass narratively. It sucks ass to play. Fuck that shit. Um, that's what we're going to say about Overlord. Hmm. Um, no, I want to talk about the Batarian thing. 
because mm-hmm. I don't remember what it's called, but there is like a mission that you do where you um have to like you find out that the reapers are going to use the uh um, the not omega the mass relay in um one of the batarian systems that they've like settled in um and so you're going there to try to stop that from happening and so you fight through this whole facility to do that and then you get to the end Mm -hmm. and it basically tells you that there's not enough time to like evacuate the system before the reapers get there so they just want to like blow up the relay and so the choice isn't even do you not blow up the relay it's do you warn them and then if you choose to warn them the game says jk the signal cuts out and you just kill like 300,000 people and that's why shepherd is uh uh, not in the army anymore in Mass Effect 3. Oh, I'm trying. When did this happen? I, I don't think. think I think it's a I DLC. Did I not play that though? Because, like, I did everything in two, I thought. I thought I you were talking remember. about how you get, like, the code at the end and you can only choose one or the other to apply the code to. And, like, so you save, like, a civilian area or the other one. No, I mean the. Huh. Yeah, yeah it, um, I think it I is a DLC thing, too. because it was the first time I, like, really remembered playing this. But, yeah, it's, like, mm-hmm. that whole... It, and if it, that's a DLC, that's wild, because that is literally is. why, in Mass Effect 3, Shepard is, like, not in the army anymore. I remember, because I was, like, I was making my live tweets about the game, and from the start of the game, I was like, did Shepard just leave the army? I thought that they wanted to fight. I thought they were... No, Shepard is the kicked Reapers. out. Like the the yeah. like, so basically, what happens is in that DLC, Admiral Hackett sends you to go do that, and then after you tell him, like, okay, well, this is what happened, and then um from that, cool. you fucking like get court martialed after the events of Mass Effect Two, and you get like yes. kicked out of the army. Yeah, I'm I'm actually like pretty sure I'm pretty certain it's a DLC. Because yeah. I don't know why Bioware loves putting their important plot stuff in DLC. That's arrival because they never thought of it. That is it's, critical. It is the arrival DLC. I totally, I did play that. I don't know why that slipped my mind. So like you started talking, about, I was like, why the fuck? Happened? But yeah, too, it doesn't not even. even... Ooh, go it, ahead, Jess. No, it just doesn't even thoroughly like explain though. Like that DLC is why in the third game you're not like it doesn't make that connection because I remember like getting court martial and being like, oh well, if they have questions, like you're probably gonna have to like answer for this. And my character being like, you know, that's fine. Like I yeah, and then they like do it, but they don't really show it. They don't show that happening. Yeah, that's Uh, weird. Yeah, and then on top of that too, the other thing that goes into Mass Effect Three with that is because. You destroyed that relay. The Reapers just use a different Batarian systems relay. So the remaining surviving Batarians are the first people attacked by the Reapers. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, too, when we were talking about Batarians earlier, is I was like, oh, yeah, and then three, they're treated even more shitty. I totally didn't connect the Arrival DLC to that because in the third game, they tell you, like, oh, yeah, they're basically extinct. Yeah. Like because it because, because yeah, they use that. that first system they and then they have the second say, one. Because yeah, because you destroyed the relay there, they just used a different one. 
God, God damn, so... I did wonder why the Batarians and Three hated me so much. I guess it's because I did something off screen that I didn't even know about. Yeah, it's because you did a light genocide. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even play through the genocide. God, the game that... really really should have explained that better because I genuinely thought Shepard was just taking a break. <laughs> that everyone was like, no, no they, they got, got discharged. Port marshaled. And that was like, they, they got off easy. The game even says, like, they got off easy, even though they're all pissy about it. God. Okay, well, that seemed like a good place to go into three. <laughs> yeah, alright, so the Batarians are fucking extinct. Uh, you're court-martialed. And the um, Reapers are attacking Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vancouver, to be specific. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> it, like, threw me for such a loop when I was playing it, and then I... I saved it, and then it was like the location was Vancouver. I was like, "Fucking Vancouver! That's where the like location, the hub of all human operations the on Earth of is." Life. Vancouver. Vancouver. <laughs> oh my god. Um. Yeah. So so we are in Vancouver. Uh. We meet up with Caden and well, no, not and or Ashley. Um. Or Ashley. <laughs> um. Yeah. No, and the then, other is dead. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we, the Reapers invade Earth. Um, we are told to get help and go to the Citadel and like start gaining allies basically, um, because we need all the help we can get to, you know, fight off the Reapers. Uh, then you also get a distress call to go to Mars. On Mars, you find the blueprints to a, <laughs> this is all just very, very fortunate for you, um, but you find blueprints to a weapon that can be built to fight the Reapers. Um, so construction starts on that while you are off on a journey to, basically recruit people to your cause um and the whole like that's basically like the setup of the whole game and you essentially like based off of the the side quests you do and like who whose support you you know gather and the people whose bridges you burn like you have a galactic readiness score and you have to get it to a certain point in order to beat the game and do a good Mm -hmm. job and not um I don't know. There's like there's like a lot of different outcomes potentially at the end. There's like I think there's three ways out of like twenty ways that Shepard can actually live. Um Yeah. So can I just say how fucking funny it is that in the original Mass Effect 3 you had to play the multiplayer and like yeah. mobile games <laughs> to actually get a good ending. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was so funny. Because I was looking it up, I was like, what actually is Galactic Readiness score? And I was looking it up and I found out that it used to be like calculated based on your multiplayer, multiplayer yeah. shit mm-hmm. and also like the mobile tie-in games. Like who like that is such a hilarious way of doing it, actually. But luckily, the multiplayer was pretty fun. I was about to say, luckily, both the app and the multiplayer stuff were like very fun and easy. To, like it didn't feel like work doing it. It was really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But like it is very dumb. <laughs> Yeah, it was just really funny that they they decided to make that, like, a tie-in. I guess, I presume it's because, like, the studio or whatever was like, we want more people on this. Can you make people play it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, especially because I think that's when, like, that was, like, the hard pivot to where, like, so many, like, games of service are, like, I don't know. Like, the online multiplayer was, like, just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's like they're, like, we need to have a multiplayer. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... And I don't know, it was fun. It's it's a good multiplayer experience for sure. But it is very funny that it ties into like your success in the single player campaign. Yeah. Especially since like 
I think it's especially funny because it's a series where it's been marketed as like, oh, every choice matters. And then it's like, well, actually, your in-game choices don't really matter that much. You you as a person have to play our other products. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that you do once you go to Mars, you get the blueprints, uh, people on Earth are, are working on that weapon, and you are off to the Citadel. Um when you talk to the representatives or the council members of the Citadel, they basically tell you, like, well, unfortunately, because Earth is under attack, that means that we have more time to get our shit together. So sorry, we're going to do that. Um, but if you want to try to go help out the Turians because they're, like, getting super fucking wrecked right now, uh, maybe they'll be willing to help you out. So you go to the Turians, uh, like the moon outside their home planet. Um, and that is where they are facing off against the Reapers. Um, and you meet General Victus, who is like basically in in charge of the Turians now. Um, after the what is the Primarch is what it's called, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great yeah. too because you have to tell him like, "Hey, bud, you're the new Primarch because the <laughs> yeah. other one died." Yeah, yeah. Also, um, the like, other people in front of you in the line of succession also died. He's like, what the fuck? I'm in a war. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, you you get him, you get Garrus, um, you you convince him to leave his people and come aboard your ship where he just like stands at your table for the next like few days um while all this mm-hmm. shit is going on. Um and you have to summon a council between between that it's a lot of diplomacy in this game uh between them and the yeah and it's a lot of like revealing that people are shitty and then being like well we all have to suck it up because the reapers are gonna kill us absolutely um that is a lot of this game uh because basically the torians are now saying well like okay we'll help you but you need to get the krogan to help us um and as you can imagine the krogan are rightfully uh very pissed off at the Turians, so it's not necessarily high up on their priority list to assist them right now. Um, and in order to get them to want to assist, you have to cure the genophage, um, which the the Turians are responsible for, basically like giving the the Krogan race. So it's it's so funny explaining Mass Effect Three because it's just like, and then this, and then this, and then this, because it's like just the world's longest kind of fetch quest here. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Like, um, you have to get something to get another thing, to get yeah. another thing, to get the last thing. But the, I guess the Krogan genophage is where it really starts to become like, okay, like, this is big moment number, like, one here. Um, because there are some actual choices involved. You, mm-hmm. I mean, and first of all, it's not even curing the genophage at first. It's there's a Krogan, there are Krogan females that have been captured by Salarians, and you're going to that area to to get the females because... Like, it's weird calling them females. I guess it's, like, women, but, like, they've heard them as females because they're not human. I don't know. Yes, I, just, I don't like... I don't okay, like I was thinking about the whole game. <laughs> I was like... I, You're just, yeah. just getting the gals. We're picking the gals. up the gals. I was just saying females because yeah. they call it the Krogan females, but, like, as I'm yeah. saying, I'm like, ooh, I sound like an incel. Yeah. You Seriously. Go, you go pick up the ladies, but then it turns out that uh, only <laughs> one is alive. Yeah. Yep. Um... And I love Eve her. Eve is awesome, though. I Eve love her, too. Good. See, this is what I mean. I'd romance a Krogan. I'd romance Eve. I'd I would romance Eve, Eve, for sure. I like um, her whole deal, because the whole time you're, like, you're escorting her, like, back to Rex and to the ship and stuff so that you can, like, <laughs> 
you know, bring her to Morden for uh, actual curing. And, like, the whole time she's just like, why are you helping me? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know you. And you're just like, don't fucking worry about it. Just go. <laughs> no, she is, she is so good. She is a lot more chill towards everyone than she has. Like, she, she doesn't have any reason to be as, like, no. kind and understanding. She's in, like, the most yeah. high-pressure, terrifying situations yeah. and is just like, well, guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, and then you find out, so you get Eve, uh, Morden creates a cure, uh, and now you gotta go to Tachanka and you have to release it into their environment, basically, like, this, it's a shroud that makes their environment hospitable. Um, you have to activate it and release it in that, so that way everybody is cured. Um, and there are a lot of things that you can do on the way to doing that that can, like, just kill off their Krogan. Um, yeah. And also, yeah, they really make it hard to save them. And then also, there's a bomb on the planet that the Turians placed there um, back when they first like released the Genophage because they're like, okay, well, if this doesn't work, we can always just bomb them. And originally, they were like, oh, well, it was just a fail safe. We weren't going to do it. Ha ha ha. This is awkward now that you know about it. But um, Cerberus found out, and Cerberus in Mass Effect 3 has just completely lost their shit, by the way um yeah they've just gone fully ape shit yeah they are like some of them look like husks now i yeah they're like indoctrinated yeah uh so cerberus is is now like the bullet fodder (laughs) um you ever you ever have human supremacists that's now ruled by sentient alien machines because that's cerberus now um yeah yeah, so cerberus finds a bomb cerberus is going to detonate it and you show up and you have to stop them from doing that. Um, and then, like, the Turians are trying to keep it, like, this hush-hush operation. And the Krogan ultimately find out about this. Yeah, well, because you come back, and I feel like my headcanon for it is you come back and you're like, Rex is like, oh, hey, like, what's up? How come you're not doing that thing I asked you to do? Because Rex also has, like, a side mission for you uh-huh. at this point. And you're just like, oh, I was just, like, taking care of this bomb on your planet. Did you know Turian just put a bomb on your planet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, God. So that happened. Rex is pissed. Which, like, Um, fair. Yeah. Um, Rex, like, has every right to to just honestly kill General Victus. Like, I'm glad he doesn't because, like, you know... I I want the Turians and Krogans to get along, but the Krogans really just do have every reason to to fucking hate just about everyone. Seriously, like, and it's so annoying how the game frames it as like yeah. an equal conflict because it is definitely not, not an equal conflict. Not. The Krogans like, and they always paint the Krogans as like this like vicious savage species that's like oh they well, can't also, you know control themselves if there's too many and, of them like, they'll they overrun breed, the like, galaxy rabbit. and they like breed like rabbits too right like it's weird and like yeah gross mm-hmm. okay yeah, well um <laughs> yeah so um so that all happens you you then start to cure the genophage um and in that journey, or you they, can be a dick and lie about it. Yeah, You're, I can't believe you can actually do that. They they really make it very hard for you to cure the genophage. They're like, they're like, uh, 
Yeah, you can you can you can lie about it. You can you can say that you you can withhold the information that their their shroud thing doesn't actually work. Mm-hmm. And then later on you can like there's like so many dialogue options for you to be like, don't do this. Or it's a mistake to do this or whatever. Like mm-hmm. the game like seems to not really want you to cure the Genophage, even though it's obviously the best outcome. Yeah, yeah especially because they make such a point out of like Rex being this person who wants to change the Krogan and change like how things are so that what happened will never happen again. And it's weird to be like, look at how great Rex is doing at all this, but then be like, but he shouldn't have kids though, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. The way Krogan are handled in Mass Effect is just extremely confusing to me. Mm-hmm. The way that all, I don't know, I guess just the way that all of the races are handled is, like, problematic in a sense. I think that the ones that, like, are very sad, though, are, like, the Krogan and the Batarians, because, like, they are just so demonized. Um, And I feel like you're never really supposed to take them seriously at all. So. Yeah. So that stuff with the Fucked I mean up I, again because I feel like you get two of the best characters in the Krogan companions. Yeah, I would agree with you. I like Brunt and Rex a lot. I think they're both fantastic companions. Um and two of just like the the most uh morally sound <laughs> as you uh mentioned on your list. Hi Bruce. Yeah, they brand in here. They just wanna they just wanna kill people. They just, they just wanna fight, you know. Fight. They just want to throw down in the Denny's parking lot. They don't really care about all this, you know, like global conflict with my friends. Exactly. They just want to be punching people. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that, honestly. Nothing wrong with that at all. Uh, Ty, do you want to do you want to pick us up after that and and describe what we do next with the guest? Um. So fucking. Sorry, the guest stuff, like, makes my brain hurt a little bit. No, that's fair. That's fair. So basically, you end up having this, like, showdown between the Quarians and the Geth, right? Like, that's the next big thing. Is the, like... That's the... Right? I'm trying to remember. Sorry, Mass Effect is so long. <laughs> Believe Mass Effect 3 thing, is right? so I, That's what I wrote. I put the next thing on there, so... Eaters. Okay. Excellent. So, basically, you, I don't really remember how they frame the, like, initial conflict, but, like, you have to kind of arbitrate the, what is going to happen to the Geth, because the Corian and the Geth are fighting, um, and there's something, there's something with Legion and Tally where, like, if you if you don't have high enough Paragon or Renegade or whatever, and you side with, like, the Geth, then, like, the Geth kill everybody, all of the Quarians, and then Tali's like, well, goodbye, and she, like, kills herself. Yeah, it's, like, uploading data, it's right? So like, fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, I think the other version of that is if you side with Tali, then all of the Geth die, and then I think Legion is just, like, I don't remember what Legion does, but it's sad. Legion ends up dying. 
Um, yeah, so, so the, basically, the two choices end up dying no matter like, what. Yeah, he does, but one of the, it's like a good death in one of them. <laughs> um, actually, if you side with Legion, I guess, I guess he if doesn't you, die. Yeah, if you side with Legion, he doesn't die. Um, but Tally and the Corians do. Um, if yeah. you side with Tally, um, Legion dies, and and the the uh, Geth. If you do like the compromise way, um, Tally lives, Legion dies, but both races live. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's so fucked up. It's like kill this race or kill the other race if you don't have like high enough yeah. Aragon like, or whatever. It's just... The only way to not wipe out a race is to like have high Paragon and also be cool with Legion dying. Yeah, and also having to there's also a point system for this for this outcome, as it turns out. And it's influenced by Legion's loyalty mission and um the this other side mission where you have to save like a save a Korean general, I think it is. And if you don't save the Korean general in the side mission and like bring him back to lead his people, then you you don't have enough points and you you're not allowed to make the the compromise choice. It's just another one of those hidden hidden things that's that just makes me really annoyed. Yeah, because I don't like that. It's it, yeah because it it doesn't feel like your choice. It feels like something. I feel like a lot of people would have probably lucked into that or accidentally didn't get that because they wanted to do one thing first before they did something else. Like, if it's a side mission that you could feasibly do after the story mission, then people might leave it till after that. And it it feels like they're kind of cheated out of it because, like, they were going to do it, but, like, because they didn't do it at the right time because the game doesn't tell you when you're supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, then, yeah, you just fuck everything up and, uh, it's just one of those things where it's like it's not really your choice again. Yep. It's uh it's a lot. Like I I don't know, we talked about it earlier. The Geth Korean relation like relations and what you kind of have to do and how you have to insert yourself into all of that uh in this game is a lot. Um you I mean Shepard ultimately is responsible by the time that like all is said and done for like I don't know, the death of, like, two entire races, if not more than that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I mean, definitely so optionally, because you can destroy the, you can destroy the Rachni. They oh, do God, destroy yeah. the Batarians. Yeah. Batarians, the Rachni, you have the Korians and the Geth that you, the Krogan. Yeah, potentially, the Krogan. Yeah, you can kill you have a lot a, You can people. have a lot of blood on your hands. I didn't even, I... Never even thought about it, but yeah, you can kind of kill off half the galaxy if you want to, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like that is the amount of power that you are are given. <laughs> yeah, I I actually liked what they did with Legion and the Geth, um, with like the the weird mind palace thing where you like link into the I don't know, link into the robot brain and you learn about the Geth and the Corians' actual history. I thought that was pretty interesting and kind of made up for the lack of explanation around the Geth in the second game that we were talking about before, where it's just like, oh, you know what? Remember the first game? Never mind. There are there are some good ones. Um, the third game kind of makes more sense out of that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, the Geth make a little more sense. It's not really. I genuinely thing. like the Geth storyline that they introduce at the end of two and then into three 
so much more than like most of the rest of the game like mm-hmm. i truly don't get about like the reaper threat and all of that and like the like the human reaper baby and shit like i could not give two fucks about that but the whole oh. idea of like showing these robots as being like these kind of mindless like star wars droids and then it turns out like actually no there's a lot more going on with it mm-hmm. like that's some good shit yeah and i think that the resolution of legion's storyline when he oh god it's so sad <laughs> I don't know. when he dies to upload his consciousness to the to the cloud i guess and and then like there's no more legion anymore but in a way all of them are in legion and it's yeah. just oh it's just such a nice resolution to a storyline i think especially when the, the last thing is says... the geth are not one platform they're exactly they are many especially when in his like last lines of dialogue when he says i instead of we oh god that always gets me it's oh. so cheap but it always gets me yeah Legion's good, actually. Is Legion the sadder death uh, compared to Legion and in, in Morden? I think so, actually. The second time I played it, yeah, because Morden is Morden's death was recompense. Yeah, he should have <laughs> died. I he still really thought it was sad though. Okay, Morden, so like, well, I think especially that Morden died like fixing his wrong. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that mm. was like. Like, Morton was, like, like in the wrong, and, like, his whole arc in the game is, like, if your paragon is you basically, like, telling him, like, what you did was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, so, him dying, like, I, I was, you know, like, sad the first time I saw it, because I liked Morton. Like, he's charming, regardless of his, um, actions. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, him dying is part of that, like, whole thing of, like, you know, like, you were finally paying for this terrible thing you did. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm glad you're doing it. But, like, yeah, like, if you gotta, if you gotta die to do it, like, fucking do it. Yeah. I thought yeah. that, I thought that it was also a good resolution to, to his arc. And, um, uh, yeah, I'm gonna say it. It made me cry. So, mm-hmm. And I'm not ashamed of that. <laughs> but yeah, I I think that Morden's death is staged very well. It is. I I really like the mm-hmm. way that they did it. I think that it was very fitting. And I really liked the build up to it. Like, okay, so unfortunately, the second that you have that dialogue with him where he's like, maybe I'll retire to somewhere sunny. The second he said that, I was like, oh, this guy's fucking dead. Because there's no way they would include something mm-hmm. like that if not for it to like pay off in a heartbreaking way later. Mm-hmm. But okay, um, the rest of the buildup, I think, where he like his relationship with Eve, I think, was really nice, and just everything about the way they executed the kind of that storyline comes to a head with him and Eve, where he, I think, Eve can actually die there, which is really fucked up. Mm. But yeah, I think that. It it does kind of border on like, oh, I met a good Krogan and now I don't think Krogan are bad anymore. But, you know, it's not too much into that territory, so I'm okay with it. The only and, thing yeah. about that that's too much for me is in the, like, aftermath, you find out that Eve insists on naming her child Morden. <laughs> and really it's like, though. it's like, all right, okay, like... Morden Severus Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I named you after the three greatest people I knew. <laughs> oh, Can you imagine? Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's like more than Kate and Alenka. Oh god. Oh wow. Truly she's like, no. I'm going to name my child after the person who caused the genophage because he fixed it. And it's like <laughs> all I right. like how Rex is like, um Yeah, okay, I feel maybe. like I feel like Rex is just like such a wife guy at that point that like he's yeah. like whatever. I don't give a shit. But like yeah. Can you imagine, though, like, can you imagine if you were, like, fatally shot, right, by, like, this doctor, and then he, t- he brought you into the operating room, and he fixed you, and he saved you from death, and you were like, oh, my God. Thank you. I will name my firstborn after you. Oh, God. Again, I'm like... I can buy Morden and Eve becoming friends. Like, yeah, I think yeah. that that is, like, a, a decent plot line. But, like, I think there's such a line between them, like, managing to become friends and Eve literally insisting (laughs) on naming her child after him. (laughs) Especially given the indicate, like, just the ties that Morden has to the physical act of childbirth for Krogan. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. is just a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that Rex. I do like that Rex becomes a wife guy, though, especially because I, I didn't like actually him. see it coming for some reason. Like I thought that I definitely thought that Eve was going to have a role in like shaping Krogan society, but I didn't think that they were gonna, you know, link up. But then when <laughs> happened, I was like, oh, that's actually really nice. I'm happy for them. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for my Krogan friends. Stop their little sun crunt. <laughs> yeah, my they're they're my Krogan friends. And they co-parent grunt with me because I'm grunt's <laughs> other parent. It's true. You hatched grunt that. from his Exactly. Pod. He is my test tube son. <laughs> I saved him. <laughs> I I get what you mean though, going back to Morden. I get what you mean. I still was emotional when Morden died this time. When the well, first time I cried. Yeah. yeah. The first like, time I cried too, yeah. Yeah. It's like it's a really sad moment. And like Morden has a lot of good growth in the third game too for like the first half of it when he's around um even when like you're rescuing eve like he gets he he's like willing to to kind of break rules and say fuck it like i i don't really care what these salarians are doing here because like i know this is wrong and like i just want to make this right before i die or like before before all this happens so like Mm -hmm. he he becomes like very invested in that and like it's really nice to see which um, is good too, because they especially they show that the Soldarian government is still very much like in the wrong here, and like mm-hmm. is still actively trying to like keep the genophage going. Like that's the whole thing with Eve is that like she was literally kidnapped by like Solarian commandos, mm-hmm. um, and so like like upon finding that out, Morden is like, okay, fuck this, mm-hmm. um. And that, like, really kicks off him being, like, I have to really, like, rethink this. Mm-hmm. You um, know, and more than even in two, it's like, by, by that point, when you meet him, he is trying to fix shit that he's fucked up. Like, he is now working, he's working at that clinic. Yeah, he um, does. It's it's a funny thing, because he's, like, clearly feels guilt about it, because he does the clinic on Omega, and he says mm-hmm. something along that lines of, like, I'm just trying to, like, 
do good where I can now. Mm-hmm. But the whole time in two that you talk to him about it, he's insistent that he did what he had to do. Mm-hmm. And then it's nice because in three, you see that like kind of behind the scenes guilt like finally come forward. And he's finally like, okay, okay. Like, yeah, it was fucking wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, and gosh, what was the, I was going to say something else about something he does in two also, but I honestly, oh, I was going to say that I also think that it's kind of interesting that like, we talk a lot about how Mass Effect makes their races like it's like like one character represents the entire race basically and they're all just like that is how they are and like morden is obviously like he is the scientist salarian because that is like the the stereotype that the game perpetuates like that's what salarians are but he also is very skilled in combat um and so i feel like the salarians actually bitches on fire yeah also um general kirahei who is also a salarian is kind of like more of a friendly charming like loud you know well he died in mine so oh yeah he also died in mine i didn't kill enough of the drones i guess yeah me too okay so he i he lived in mine so he's in the second one he gives the whole hold the line speech and then he's in the third one also um you Mm -hmm. find him on that planet when you're when you're saving the the krogan the krogan ladies um and so like the salarians i guess are a little bit better than (laughs) some of the races because i feel like they have a little bit more to them yeah and is I kind of, feel one that. of them. yeah i definitely feel yeah, like because the there's also the one allowed to be like, a little more varied yeah because yeah. there is also the one who's like the leader of the one of the mercenary groups in omega mm-hmm. yeah i forget which one they're in charge of but yeah uh Oh, it's not it's not like the blue suns. That's like mostly Turian. But yeah, there is the one who who's in charge of Yeah, the, and he's the, the one character. who's like organizing the like coup against Arya. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that the Salarians do have a little bit more diversity compared to a lot of the other races. Um in Morden is kind of Morden kind of shows that too, having him on your team. Um but yeah, we can talk about Let's go into the DLC, though, before we go into, like, the final ending. Um, Wait, before we do that, um, can I just talk about the fact that Grunt can die in Mass Effect 3? Mm. I, I, okay, I, I thought he died when I played it. I would not have put it past them to just fucking kill Grunt in that one scene. But yeah, I legit thought that he died there. I was terrified and yeah i can't believe he can actually die there it's such a bullshit death too because it's like a death on a side quest for a main character from the second game like even if he wasn't loyal to you in the second game that's such a stupid way to kill him yeah and like i can't believe like i i know people probably think that it's fantastic that like loyalty and whatever from the second game still carries across to the third game but it just feels like they shoehorn so many deaths into mass effect like optional deaths into mass effect 3 just to be like well you fucked up in mass effect 2 so you don't get a good ending here like zaid can die too like he just Mm -hmm. like you can walk into a room and like see him dying on the floor basically (laughs) after a fight that happened off screen it's just it just all feels so bullshitted just on the spot mm-hmm. it, yeah that's just that's just one of my gripes i guess with the way they handled a lot like the resolution of a lot of major character arcs in the third game so yeah no that's yeah. fair that's very fair i wish that like there were maybe 
opportunities within three if like there are certain characters that were left like I don't know that you hadn't made loyal or something like that into to where you could like amend those things um because mm-hmm. that would feel a bit more fair but it's like who who the fuck is gonna go back to mass effect 2 and like go back to a save file from 15 hours into the game and fix things so they can you know you know what i mean like no one's gonna do that like that's so many that's like 40 hours of work no one's gonna go back that far mm-hmm. so like to have something in there to where like you have another option or another way to go about things like that to me shows more innovation and like you actually want people to have like a good experience with this rather than being like, well, fuck you. You made a bad choice 40 hours ago. Go load up that save file. Yeah. It, I yeah, didn't realize like, he could die there. Oh, yeah, he can actually. It's I mean, it, it is played as like a fake out when he is loyal to you. But if he's not loyal to you, he just dives into the pit of Rachni and fucking perishes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's it's just. Weird. Oh, he's my son and I always make him loyal. So yeah, Did you, I mean obviously. Something and this is all going all the way back to the first game, but this is something that I didn't know until I looked it up. Did you know that you don't have to get Garrus or Rex? Yeah. Like you can just play the oh. first game without them. Yeah. That's it is, wild. It's crazy. Like you could just play the whole series not knowing who these characters are. Yeah, because they're technically side missions to get them. Yeah, yeah. like you I think still that... Yeah, you still would get Garrison too as Archangel, but like, yeah, yeah, that would just means you would never have Rex in your squad. No, yeah, or and he wouldn't be the Krogan leader or anything, and it would just be just so just a weird. I can't even imagine that. The thing I've about seen, it is that like, I've seen Mass Effect three without Rex as the Krogan leader, and it fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. Mass Effect three is like so weird because. All these characters can die in the first, or just never be recruited in the first and second games. And it's like, in Mass Effect 3, I think the only companions you're guaranteed are um, Edie and Liara. So that's why they have most of the the action, Mm -hmm. story-wise. Because Mm -hmm. you could very feasibly just not have them. So, yeah, it's just wild to me, like, that you can basically kill off most of your character roster before you even get to it. God, that's so wild. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to, maybe one of these days, I'll play Mass Effect and I'll just do like a super fucked up run and I'll see like how Oh, little... you say that, but you're not gonna have oh, to I know. No, it <laughs> also, it, well, because if you, Im- like I said earlier, if you import if you don't import a shepherd, if you just start Mass Effect three, it does just kill like everybody. Yeah. So it's fucking bleak. Oh god, we haven't even mentioned Edie, who is my least favorite thing the game has ever done. Ooh, oh, really? Why? I want to hear. Because she's is it a because robot, of her sexy also... body. Yes, it's so awful. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh my gosh! From you the don't second like game, sexy Edie. I do not like sexy Edie, no. It, I, I, I don't, it does not, it does not, it, it makes me feel very viscerally uncomfortable. So, from the second game, I was like, I feel like they might have been setting something up with Joker and Edie in the second game. I was like, okay, I actually think that's, that could be interesting, you know, because, like, she's, like, a disembodied AI. And, like, if they had, like, a deeper connection, that would be quite interesting, you know, because, like, he, he kind of gave her her own volition because he had to save the ship. And 
I think that would be an interesting direction for their relationship to take. And they actually did take that direction for their relationship, but they had to make her a weird, sexy robot lady first. And yeah. it's just so... It's it's just everything about that. It's like, it's everything that we've talked about, about how Mass Effect is just made for straight men. Because yeah. that is so much... That is the most, like, straight man thing they could possibly have done, is make the fucking robot into a sexy human lady who mm-hmm. has like who basically is naked the whole time but it's okay because yeah. she's made of metal so yeah it's also like um aside from just like being the epitome of the exact thing that bonnie's been talking about this whole time it's also extremely weird and like very weak narratively because the whole thing is like the robot is a scientist that you are trying to catch Mm-hmm. who then turns out to be like a murder robot oh god i didn't even realize she was a robot when i played it i was like how did edie link into this <laughs> human woman's body and no, make her into she's a robot. a robot that's part that's how you end the fight is you like bop her and she's a fucking robot and then mm-hmm. for some reason they're like let's take this fucked up killer robot with us oh, and then god. out of nowhere and then Edie doesn't tell anybody, and she's just like, I'm just gonna see if I can try this on. And, Seriously. like, crashes this ship's, like, hard drive for a minute or some shit. Yeah. And then, like, it's weird, though, because she says, like, I can join you on the ground in combat. Um, so, yeah, which I means, like, she her. can be part of your squad. But she specifically says that there's, a like, a, like a, a range of the ship that she works within. So it's weird that you can then just take her wherever. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think it actually does, like, it does cheapen the Joker and Edie relationship significantly, too, because I... it makes it feel like he's just into her because she has a weird, sexy robot body now, and it's not because, like, of any other reason. Like, they couldn't have taken it in a worse direction, I think. No, it's I also completely... weird to me that you are, like, part of them getting together. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. No, I completely agree because I feel like if you wanted to, okay, this is if you had the woman, the woman writing this, right? Like, I feel like the things that you would want to lean into with this romance is like Joker is like Edie is the only person, I guess we can use like other like then then himself who he trusts with the Normandy. And then on Mm -hmm. top of that, like they have like this bond, whereas like. Edie doesn't have a body like you know and and like Joker has like the same issues as far as like kind of has those moments of like being resentful that he doesn't have full control of his body so like there's that bond there and then to just take it and like put her in a sexy shiny perfect body um and then like all the dialogue that he has after that happens like oh I like her up front for motivation wink wink like shit like that it's so weird it's like you just took like something that could have been like a sincere and like kind of emotional relationship and like this character who like we see is kind of like a joker sarcastic like has his walls up you know like very just about his job doesn't really care about the rest of the shit like having a bond with someone and you just reduce it into like a oh man isn't she hot seriously yeah it's it's just so bad (laughs) like in the third game they actually finally add some like we talked about before they actually finally add some female aliens that are not Asari or Korean. Mm-hmm. And I was I was looking at the the female Salarian council member. I was thinking like, okay, maybe this franchise is actually taking a few steps in a different direction, you know, like they're allowing women to kind of 
look a little bit fucked up, you know, because the aliens mm -hmm. look a little bit fucked up. And then they add a female Krogan, and it's awesome. And then they add Edie, uh, which is not so awesome. And I just, I could not stand looking at her. It was just so uncomfortable. Like, I know exactly who this is for, and it is not me. And I never felt more, like, boxed out of the franchise, really. Yeah, it's, yeah. um, it's not good. Edie is, I, I, I hadn't thought about it a ton until, I mean, I don't know. Like, I thought about it, and I was like, I don't like this, but, like, hearing you bonnie like talk about I'm like yeah like the, the more i think about it the more worked up i get because it is just a really bad choice honestly yeah it's like it doesn't even make any narrative sense like we've said and i don't know it just seems like the culmination of everything that mass effect has been like doing throughout the whole franchise where it's just like yeah this is for men <laughs> like yeah it's like very much like yeah this is for men it's not really for me but whatever i guess can we talk about the best thing, in my opinion, that Mass Effect did, though, and that is in the third game? And we kind of talked about it a little bit with saying that they introduce a female Torian. Is it Omega? Mm -hmm. It's Omega. Yes. Omega fucks. I was just Omega about to bring so it up. Good. Because, like, <laughs> it's so weird having, like, the whole Edie thing, because I feel like Omega is the first time that, like, you see a queer relationship with like an Asari that feels like very genuine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I just like Arya in general because she's like a. I know she's consciously meant to be a subversion of the Asari archetype, and she's still kind of like a. She's still kind of supposed to be like sexy in some ways, but like it's not as like conscious. I feel like she's supposed to be ones, less you know? sexy and more hot, if that makes sense. Like, I feel mm -hmm. like you're supposed to be attracted to Arya, but not necessarily in a, like, completely, like, objectify-y no, way. Especially because yeah. there's, like, one scene, I can't remember what it is, but, like, you talk to a guy, like, a, a mercenary, oh, it's in Mass Effect 3 when she asks you to get her, like, control of the mercenary groups. Um, to be like a war asset eventually um and mm -hmm. one of the captains that you talk to like says something along the lines of like i expect to see her in my bed or whatever and you're like okay <laughs> um and then you talk to Arya, and she's like oh did i he say i was gonna sleep with him and she, you're like yeah and she's like yeah fuck him um yeah i like, think it's that she's she's very in control of her sexuality which is the difference yes. i think because a lot of the female romance options and this is just like a general thing where like with like female romance options made for men they're not very like aware of their own sexuality mm -hmm. which is like a different like which is part of the appeal i guess but like aria is different than that because she's a lot more self uh, actualized i guess i don't i don't really know how to say it but she does feel different than a lot of the 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 female npcs i guess and um specifically a lot of the asari she just she feels like she has agency like, it feels like when you're doing Omega, it doesn't feel like as much, which, which is weird, right? Because, like, in essence, you're still doing her a favor, right? But, like, it doesn't feel as much like you doing someone a favor as, like, the loyalty missions, you know? Um, it feels like, I don't know, she just, she feels like she has more agency, I guess, is, like, what it really boils down to for me. Mm -hmm. um, well, and it's also, like, it's truly a mutually beneficial thing, actually, yeah. because, like, Omega is like one a hub and two like having the like Cerberus monster general having a huge mm -hmm. outpost there is like 
not good for anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think I just like characters who don't really like you that much. This is a very recurring <laughs> thing for me. I I really like it when characters don't like the player character very much. And this is why, for some reason, I just really, really like James Vega. Because uh, he is kind of presented as like a potential romance option to you. And then when you try to pursue that in like Citadel, he's just like, no, oh, no. <laughs> He's just like, mm, no, I'm, I'm not really that into you. And I think that's so funny. Um, so yeah, I think that's why I like him so much. Because throughout the whole game, you're like, oh, I can probably romance this guy, right? And he's like, uh, no, I don't really like you that way. That's also, and, I didn't yeah. mention it when we talked about Mass Effect 2, but my favorite romance from Mass Effect 2 is actually, technically it's Morinth because I love the idea that you can just like have a save where Shepard is just fucked to death and that's just the end. <laughs> Um, but my actual favorite is Samara's because you can like talk to her and talk to her and talk to her. And then when it gets to the point where you like bring up the, you know, like romance conversation, she basically is like, I'm like way too fucking old for you. But oh my God. like if I was of like maiden age, you would already be on the floor. <laughs> that reminds me of. Not to bring up Dragon Age again, but that that is that reminds me of like how whenever you ask Vivian in Dragon Age, like, mm-hmm. like, are we ever gonna get together? She's like, no. <laughs> She's like, why would why would I ever do that? And it's yeah. like, oh well, okay. <laughs> like, right, I love Samara. I love Samara a lot too because she also feels like a character who's very in control of herself, mm-hmm. even though she has like literally the deepest V on the planet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought that. I didn't know I didn't know what to think of her at first because like I'd been making this joke that all the women in the series like kind of like breast boobily onto the screen but that's how they're all introduced. It's and true. Samara is very much breast boobily into the room. But I actually really like her and you know what it's not her fault that all her daughters are fucked up. Like it's not you know, and I wanted to like I was so annoyed when I posted my list um which like I love that no one understands like when something is one fictional and two like largely a joke um but i had this person who was like freaking out at me because i was like samara's not that bad like all things considered uh because she's like pretty anti-cop and like just does her own thing and also like despite having these fucked up children like she does still really love them and like literally in the face of having to kill them would rather die herself and this person was like, no, the Justin R. Code is terrible. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, all right. But meanwhile, they were like, Garrus is great. Fuck you. And I was like, okay. Um, oh, yeah. One of, one of those types. Yeah. I always like, just, a lot of people how, like, talk about how extreme the Justin R. Code is. And, like, to be entirely honest, I, like, you know, I did my research, but not, like, that in depth. Like, I didn't read every fucking codex entry or whatever. Um, all I know is that, like, when faced with the idea of having to, like, according to her set of beliefs, like, having to kill her daughter because the place that housed her, like, is no longer there, Samara is like, no, I would rather die. And to me, that is very (laughs) Yeah, and, like, it's fucked up and it's hard, and, like, I'm sure Mm -hmm. there's, like, a a whole lot of stuff to unpack in there, but... I think it's very moving that, like, this person who is so set in their beliefs and this way of life 
like when faced with like okay like according to your beliefs like you have to do this to your child and she's like no like I'm not going I I can't I cannot do that and so like I'm just gonna not like I'm just gonna not exist um which like it's extreme and it's fucked up but like for her character I was like like that's pretty good especially because we don't have that many moms at games no yeah god yeah. i thought that yeah. was that was a really like what a powerful scene and i almost missed the interrupt on it um because i was looking at something else and if i had missed the interrupt on it i definitely would have reloaded my save because i can't i can't believe they i can't believe they hid that behind like behind an action interrupt by the way mm-hmm. like it's so easy to miss those and i don't know i also do you guys know what happens there if it's more instead of, instead of samara or is she just like still pretending to be samara i don't remember what morinth is doing in mass effect 3 okay i think yeah. she becomes a banshee oh i think you're right ty i think you are correct yep oh, dude the banshees suck <laughs> fighting those they scared me so much the first time I yeah played they're, they're so scary tough um because the because the ardot yakshi are the specifically the ones that can become banshees and i believe Morden morinth is one mm, okay and you yeah, kill her just, i'm pretty sure i just in mass effect 3 like i thought that i didn't really like care about some of the characters in mass effect 2 but then when they showed up in Mass Effect 3, I was like, oh my god, it's you! <laughs> oh, also, you want to know something else really fucked up that I found out while I was doing research for my list? Is... What? Like, so you can, like, when you're in the temple, you can, like, access the computer logs or whatever. And you can find out that Morinth has been trying to, like, talk to her sisters. And oh, wow. um, the temple has been, like, screening the emails. So, like her sisters aren't getting them which on the one hand i get because warrant is a fucking psychopath um but on the other it's sad that she's like trying to talk to her sisters and like is not even getting the chance mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. i want to feel bad for morinth i don't think that like in the text you can but i want to <laughs> <laughs> that's because fair. i am broken yeah, um, I just I I do think it is cool how your Mass Effect two companions show up again and like on certain missions in Mass Effect three. Yeah, um, don't love that some of them can die for fucked up reasons, but we've already covered that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it's just it's just truly a testament to you are not immune to like references or whatever because <laughs> I thought that I didn't really care about like the human characters so much. I was like. Yeah, I mean, I think that I liked them. I liked, you know, Jacob. I liked Jack. But I don't think that... I, I think I would be okay if I didn't, like, see them again. Because mm-hmm. I feel like they just kind of serve their purpose in the series. And then I play their missions, and Jack shows up. And I'm like, oh my god, Jack! I can't Jack's mission is so good. Jack's oh, yeah, mission is very like, good. So more, I have, like, a lot of mixed feelings about, like, Jack's relationship with the Alliance and stuff. But the fact that she's able to, like by and large recover and then like be a teacher for kids and like be a positive role model for them is Mm -hmm. very sweet and i enjoyed it i completely agree i think that 
Jack's like like I don't know it's weird because like Jack gets kind of almost like a happy ending and like it's really nice because she deserves one yeah Yeah, I think it's like the we talked a bit about before about how Jack's whole deal is that she's like traumatized and like a badass but also she has like a she has like a softness and a vulnerability that like you have to access and like you have to like fix her or whatever and I think that the continuation of that is in Mass Effect 3 is is kind of like that but it's not the same because well because it's not Shepard yeah because it's not like it's not like she you have to fix her or anything it's that like she she finds like a a a purpose or like a a reason like this all happened to her like for herself and I think that's really nice Mm I I I don't think it's like yeah it's just a lot of the game a lot of the characters when their arcs happen outside of Shepard it's a lot more interesting uh to me no I actually agree. agree I think that that's one of the things that made Caden slash Ashley more interesting is that you go throughout the second game without being around them but you know that they're doing stuff at the same time and like the only time you do meet up with them is when they tell you like what the fuck are you doing with Cerberus like come on (laughs) you like I like I know you better than that why um and like it makes them more interesting like just in that interaction because it's like it feels like they have their own their own purpose and their own thing that they're doing outside of like just being your buddy yeah, yeah that's especially because if you ask like, them to come with you, they tell you no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why all the interactions in Mass Effect Three, where your squad mates like talk to each other on the ship, are just so much more interesting mm-hmm. than I feel like most of the interactions that you have with them, because it just makes it it just makes the world feel a little bit richer, and it makes the characters feel like they have their own personalities and lives outside of you, which it has not seemed like before. Yeah, because it's like, I feel like a lot of people who play video games need to ask themselves, like, do you want a rich world or do you want complete control over a world? Because I sometimes feel like a lot of people who play games think those are synonymous with one another. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, it's such, but like, there's there's just a huge difference. Um, and I think that a lot of times when people say like, oh, I love this game because like, because there's just there's so many choices and there's so, like the world is so big and so vast and there's so much you can do and blah 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 and it's like does it actually feel like you're like living in that world though or you're completely shaping it and that's why you like it it's like you have that control over it yeah so, and mass effect is kind of one of those games where it's like like think about why you like it a little bit <laughs> yeah it yeah it's that power fantasy thing that we talked mm-hmm. about before again where it's not really my preference, but I guess I yeah. guess that's why some people play games. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I, I think it's just, like, owning up to it, you know? Like, whatever, like, if that's why you <laughs> play games, it's, like, to have that, like, that that control. Like, hey, like, I get it. Life is chaotic. It's nice to have control over things. But I just feel like like a lot of times that does get mixed up is people thinking, you know, they like open world because of the possibility and like and how real it seems and how it feels like you're you're really a part of this whole other world and like more often than not it's it really is a control thing it's like you like it because you can fuck whoever you want and you can Mm -hmm. decide the fate of like 10 different races and you are the most important biggest best smartest brightest thing that has ever walked (laughs) 
Yeah, and that is why, and that is why I like James Vega because he's (laughs) just not that into you. (laughs) No. (laughs) See, and that we need more characters like that. In honestly, I just want that to be a whole game. I want it to be like you're the chosen one, but everybody fucking hates you and can't stand. Like, just they're done with you. I also like the idea of like the Samara thing of her being like, yeah, like I would fuck you, but like I'm ancient compared to you. Like, are you yeah. kidding? Like, you are a baby to me. <laughs> yeah, it's. I just think it's. I think that any character who's like, like you think they might be a romance option, but it turns out that like, and they like <laughs> like you fine. They're like, yeah, you're you're cool. You're like my commander. I like you. Like, yeah. I I don't have a problem with you. I'm just not into you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Sumi's like that too really with the Jacob thing. Oh god, yeah, Jacob breaks up with you over text. <laughs> and I think that's really funny. I mean, I, they like I I just I mean, you I mean, you kind of like weren't there for a while. And like honestly, I think it's fine for it to sort of be like a fling. And it kind of like flies in the face of video game romances, and especially like Mass Effect romances that like are expected to last the whole time basically. It's like Yeah, cuz isn't the it's thing, like, like it wasn't that serious to him. Isn't he getting back together? He gets back together with, like, a lady that he knew from the Alliance, right? I, I'm i not sure if they get back together or if they meet after Shepard gets discharged and, like, after he leaves the Normandy. But either way, yeah, he gets, like, he gets married to this lady and, like, they have, like, a, like, they're expecting a child. Aw. Yeah, I think it's nice. For I him. think it's nice that, like, not every romance has to be, like, like, you know what? It was just like a fling on the or in the Normandy. They were in a high pressure situation. <laughs> they were yeah. doing what they needed to do. And then after Shepard gets discharged, Jacob's just like, okay, well, you know what? That's done. Like, I don't honestly, I don't think that Shepard properly laid out the terms of their relationship anyway. Also, Shepard like, just so... like disappears from people's lives and then shows up and <laughs> yeah. is like shocked when they have like moved on. Yeah, seriously. Like, I think it's with it. I think people give Jacob a lot of grief for that, but I think it's fine. I think it's perfectly fine. I think it's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I think that's a good thing too. Um. Especially because I noticed in like, um, I noticed in three. If you don't romance Liara, she and Garrus like flirt with each other. Um. Like, when he gets on the ship, um, if you walk into Liara's little, like, area, he'll be on the intercom with her. Um, that is so and they'll weird. Be, and they'll be, like, flirting. And then there's another point where Garrus gets really drunk, and he's like, has Liara always been so pretty and blue? And you're like, yes, Garrus, she's a fucking Asari. That's so weird, because I know Garrus and Tali end up having a romance if you don't romance either of them. Mm, fucking yeah. Garrus, man. Garrus is a he's all over the place. Garrus is kind of a slut. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> um, On this podcast, we slut shame Garrus for carrying. Honestly, I mean, Garrus. Do you guys know that post? <laughs> Sorry, I I talk about this all the time. But I just think it's really funny. You know that post about Lord of the Rings, where it's like Legolas is like the ugliest elf ever, and like Gimli is like the hottest dwarf to ever exist. In my mind, that's Garrus and Rex. I think it. my headcanon is that Garrus is, like, an incredibly ugly Turian. 
by Turian standards, even though like human women think of him as like a dreamboat. And Rex is just like the handsomest, most dashing Krogan in the universe. Um, <laughs> like that. so, yeah. I think that's a really, I think that's a really fun way of looking at those two characters. And I, I feel like I think, it's backed up too by in Mass Effect Two when his face gets blown off and you're like talking <laughs> to him. He's like, well, some women like facial scars. They're Krogan mostly women Krogan, like but. <laughs> Yeah, I I think I like thinking of Garrus as ugly. It, I think that's what he deserves. So, yeah, I like it. It's really funny. God, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast has gone places. Um, so I think at this point it's probably like Garrus is both easily... ugly and a slut. <laughs> oh no, I was saying I was going to say I think, I think the time non-trans. is over three hours so i will like navigate us to the last part um omega dlc Mm -hmm. slaps citadel is just fan service but also slaps in my opinion yeah i liked citadel leviathan is boring leviathan's kind of boring i agree leviathan truly made me want to stop playing the game i was like i was like (laughs) why is this still happening to me yeah no, I I agree. I think Leviathan kind of just drags. I don't know. What do you think, Bonnie? I did not play it because okay. I could sense that it was going places that I would not like to go to. And yes. yeah, it's it's another situation where I didn't realize it was a DLC when I started it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll do this mission later. And then I left and then I realized it was a DLC and I was like, well, I'm never doing that mission Yeah, because it seems like it's going to be really boring and it's not going to it's not going to influence the end of the game much. And yeah, it's no, like because they make it seem like it's yeah. gonna be really important because they're like a thing that's big and kill Reaper, and you're like, what? and then it's boring as shit. Yeah, yeah, they it's... really need to label their DLCs better because you can just stumble into that sort of thing, and then like you can think that it's important, but it's actually not that important. Mm-hmm. Omega is important though. I yeah, like Omega like... a lot. The big ones are Omega, Leviathan, Citadel. Like Leviathan is like meh. I think that. Omega is like a Birds of Prey movie inserted into Mass Effect 3, which slaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, I can't believe they killed Nyreen. That was so I know, sad. That sucks. It I was also, like, so sad. I kind of am a little bit of a mark, though, for Arya being like, I'm going to try to be a little bit less of a shitty person. Yeah. I just wish that, you know, her ex didn't have to die for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't love that, but I was like, I kind of figured something was going to happen to one of them, and I was like, they're not going to kill Arya. Mm, um, yeah. But yeah, I'm I'm a stupid, sappy bitch, and so when Arya was like, I'm going to be focused on the people now, I was kind of like, yeah. <laughs> I really so good, though. And also, just a very hot Turian lady would have romanced her, too. Seriously, yeah. When it comes um, to the DLCs. I also love also. her and Arya just being messy, complicated, like, friend yes. gays. <laughs> yes, I love that. I love that they were just, like, a disaster. And yeah, you know I like if you talked to the, I loved, did you, like, press them about their relationship? I, I don't remember exactly. I, I know I got them to talk about it a little bit, but I'm not yeah. sure how much they can talk about it. Yeah, you can, like, you can, I think both of them eventually are, like, all right, like, back the fuck off. But, like, both of them are just, like, <laughs> Arya describes it as, like, 
like a passionate but doomed connection or something okay like yeah that. I did get that yeah and then like Nyreen's like yeah she was hot and cool and I really liked her but she was like low-key kind of consuming me <laughs> as a person so I had to break up with her when Bay is a crime lord <laughs> no they they had a really good relationship though like I I did both the branches where you can like learn more about how they see the other and it was so good and I was so sad that she died like it mm-hmm. makes sense but I don't necessarily like that they fridged her to like make Arya decide like oh yeah I do care about the people <laughs> yeah well especially because like throughout the missions she's already like kind of coming around yeah like, I mean, because you reach the end and she spares, like, at least on my end, she, like, she spared his life. And because she ends up, like, hitting the counter and she's just like, yeah, like, I hang yeah. out with you for, like, one day and now I'm, like, a fucking Girl Scout. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I wanted, I wish there was an option to be, like, are you sure it wasn't Nyrene? Because, like, mm, it's yeah. fucking Nyrene. It's not Shepard. Yeah. Yeah. It's just another one of those situations where Shepard does everything. Yeah. Which, it's frustrating mm. with that specifically because, like, in the text... It's Nyreen. Yeah. yeah. Speaking Ugh. of another frustrating situation where Shepard does everything, um, let's talk about like the the most infamous thing in Mass Effect, right? Oh, like the ending. <laughs> the ending choice. Oh so, yeah. So I didn't get why people Okay, let's first talk about what, what we chose. <laughs> well, so wait, so in the original game there were only the two options, right? It was only, mm-hmm. I think, destroy and control. Is that right? I believe so. Because I'm I pretty sure synthesize so. was the ending they added. I can look it up. Let me see. Okay. I know that um, the original ending, like, they didn't have any of the those images of the galaxy after Shepard's decision. So, like, mm. you didn't really know what, like, what the outcome of a lot of stuff was like you didn't know how the krogan were doing you didn't know how all of your companions were doing it just kind of happened and the only difference to the ending was the color of the explosion um so i played through the ending and i didn't really realize i didn't really get why people were so mad about it i was like that felt like a fine ending if people are mad about shepherd dying i feel like the whole series was kind of leading up to that anyway um but yeah i mean i guess i understand why people were mad because it seemed really lacking originally and like it didn't really give you a lot of payoff as to you know the whole series and everything you've been doing so yeah that part of it i get it's also weird to me because i was talking to a friend about it who had played it like when the original one came out um and he was telling me like about the three endings and then he described synthesize and i was like oh well that's probably the one i would pick because, like, it seems weird to me that, like, they gave you, like, the two binaries but not the compromise when they always give you the compromise choice every mm-hmm. other time. Mm-hmm. So it seems weird that they, like, patch that in later, especially because, like, to me, the arc of saying, like, hey, Legion has a soul, the Geth are not all bad, like, and you have found a way to make them coexist, to me, the next step to, like, you know, keep that and also keep the reapers at bay would be like okay yeah let's do synthesis looked at it all three options were available in the original the only thing that was added was all the after stuff okay cool yeah so i would i picked synthesis or synthesis Um, whatever i picked control but i did not mean to pick control 
Interesting. (laughs) It was so bad. I I was not really paying attention to what the demon child was saying to me. And then I like it shows you which I think it kind of shows you which side is which. But then like I didn't realize which side was which. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna just go to I want to like pick destroy. So I'm just gonna go to one of the sides, and if it's not destroy, I'll just turn around and walk back. And then Shepard just kind of hobbles over, slow as molasses, <laughs> to one side. And I approach it, and then the pop-up comes up, and it says control panel. And I'm like, oh, I guess this is the control side. I don't want to be here. I'll just fucking walk to the other side then. But I turn around, and the game has locked me in place. So, like, oh, I no. have to pick the control option. And I was like, I I didn't know it would be this option. I didn't mean to pick oh. this option. But I guess I, I have to now. So then I, I got the control ending. Mm, but honestly, okay. I don't think there was much of a difference. Because if Shepard if Shepherd is supposed to be alive in the destroy ending, I think if I'd pick control, if I'd pick destroy, Shepard would be a, like the hint of Shepard being alive. I would have gotten that. And frankly, if Shepard is supposed to be alive in the fourth game, they're definitely going to retcon every other ending and just kind of change your save file anyway. So yeah. it's not really that big of a deal, but it is funny that the game doesn't make it clearer. Like, I didn't even know there was a third option, <laughs> to be honest, until <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, I what's so we ended up each doing, like, well, not on purpose, because you want to destroy, <laughs> but we each did a different ending, because I did destroy, um, and my Shepard is alive at the end um but yeah it's it's kind of interesting i assume that we would all do destroy so i'm kind of like curious so like ty why did you pick synthesize because i think that the game has one conditioned me to be a centrist two i think that if you're gonna tell me that the geth what if you're gonna tell me that the reapers are this like ancient predatory species that prey upon organic life and that Two, the Geth are not, like, all bad, and, like, you know, Legion has a soul, etc. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, the preventative measure, when offered the synthesized choice, is, okay, well, then we'll become hybrid, and then we don't have to worry about these bullshit fucking machines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that, in theory, that does sound like the best one. Mm-hmm. Um but unfortunately the one where your shepherd survives is the destroy one and i like really i'm quite curious to see if they actually do do a continuation in mass effect 4 which one will be the quote-unquote canon ending because i i think control definitely can't be the canon ending because you know shepherd literally can't come back from that yeah but yeah i'm curious to see which one will actually be the canon ending um because they have to pick one Mm mm-hmm I yeah and it's like I think that if they like or not if because they are doing Mass Effect 4 like I think that after Andromeda kind of like bombed they're probably going to be more conservative and they're going to go back to the original trilogy so it is going to be something a lot closer to it um so like yeah I don't know (laughs) yeah I mean I think it's I think it is a mistake to continue Shepard's story because Mm -hmm. I think Shepard's story is over but yeah you know what We'll see how it goes, really. And that is also the only time I've ever been grateful for Liara having eyebrows, because she's the only Asari in the entire world, in the entire universe, with eyebrows. So you know it's her. <laughs> That's really good. Um, God. Well, I think that that, like, does it then. I mean, that's the ending of 
three. Um, I guess my general questions, how do we think these games hold up? Not great. Oh, you know. <laughs> uh, I think we've talked at length about how they feel <laughs> kind of dated. And the thing is, the writing isn't even that dated. Like, some games, like, I always point to Borderlands as an example, are going to feel dated. They already... Some of them already do feel yeah, dated because they, they rely so much on like current, current, quote unquote, current references, and those references don't stay current for very long. So it always just feels kind of cringy to go back to them. But the thing about Mass Effect is that they actually did a pretty good job on like the world building and the dialogue. I think that it feels kind of timeless. Like you could play it at any time, and it would still feel like it was a sci-fi setting. It, it wouldn't feel tied to the era in which it was made. But unfortunately, what does tie it to the era in which it was made is the fact that it is made for straight men. And it kind of seeps out of every pore of the game. Like, you can't you can't move for reminders that this game is made for straight men. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think that actually kind of sums up my entire feelings on it, too. Is Because, like, I do think that in some ways, like, it does hold up. And, like... I still very much enjoyed like playing those games. Like I had a really great time, honestly, like I can play them and I can see all the issues with it. But like, I genuinely like had a lot of fun. I was like, Oh yeah. I remember Mm -hmm. why like I got like, I was so obsessed with these and why I had so much fun playing with them. And I, I did it all in a week. It's cause like, they're very addicting and very fun to play. And like the characters are very charming. Yeah. I had a kind of different experience. I, (laughs) I told Jess this before we started recording, but this experience made me like the games less overall. Um, (laughs) Like, I really, really had a great time with 2 the first time I played it, but now, like, yeah, everything about it just kind of, like, I could just see all the cracks, and it just kind of chafed. And, like, a lot Mm -hmm. of the stuff that I had been excited to try, or, like, if not excited in the case of, like, Overlord, I was at least, like, intrigued. And it just, like, sucked. Like, Leviathan is boring. Overlord sucks shit. Like, it's just... Yeah. yeah. I, actually, I actually genuinely think that Mass Effect is only good... is is the very best on the first playthrough. Because mm-hmm. everything's new and, like, you want to experience everything. But then I tried to New Game Plus Mass Effect 2 because I wanted to you know see some more stuff and i tapped out after the first mission i i could not go through another game of this boring gray base world like the environments are not fun to look at and the combat is also not that fun um so yeah it's it just feels like it's something very it's it's not it doesn't have much replayability mm. to me i think no that's it I I think that, like, as far as replayability goes, like, I couldn't imagine myself playing it, like, again anytime soon. I think that it's kind of, like, fun to go back to. Um, mm-hmm. And I have, and after a decade, like, I'm so far removed from it to where, like, I, it, like, a lot of this felt new. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it definitely, I feel like it's something that you have to have some time away from, for sure. I mean, there are definitely still parts of it I like. Like, obviously, I still have, like, strong feelings about Liara and, like, Samara and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are still parts of it that, like, make brain go burr. But overall, yeah, I, like, came away from it, like, a lot less uh, 
positive on Mass Effect as a mm-hmm. series. Yeah, and like I thought that I would be more down on it playing it. And like there's a lot, like I definitely see the cracks that I didn't see before. Um, but at the same time, yeah, I don't know. Like I was playing it and I I, I still just had such a fun time. <laughs> so they they still do something for me. But they they do have problems. So I hope that like if you listen to this podcast, you're like, oh man, they just like talk bad on Mass Effect for four hours. They all hate it. Like I actually really really like this game. It's just really stupid sometimes. <laughs> like yeah, you got to own it. Yeah, you, know, you don't talk about you don't talk about things that you're just neutral on or you or you purely don't like for this long. No, because you you gotta be if you. You talk about something for this long because you care about it for some reason. So yeah, <laughs> but exactly. I do want to. I do want to ask. I, I guess like the last question is, um, what was everybody's favorite game in the series slash like favorite like mission or something? Who is oh, still gosh. my favorite? Two is still um, your favorite. Yeah, two is still my favorite. Yeah, it's it's tricky for me because I like two's characters and story, like the feel of two the most, because it's not like, oh, we're gathering all these forces to fight this cataclysmic threat. We're just we're putting together some kind of suicide squad. Um, And I think that's really fun. I think that really serves the franchise very well. Just the idea of like like exploration and like gathering a bunch of buddies from like different walks of life and like getting to know the workings of civilizations that are not human. But from a gameplay standpoint, I think I liked the third one the best. I liked the combat in the third one the best. And I liked the third one's, like, Citadel the most. I liked mm-hmm. um, I liked the way the Citadel functioned as, like, a central point in three the most. Because I feel like in the other two, it was kind of like a hub, but it didn't really drive the story as much as it does in the third one mm-hmm. and i just like the way that the citadel is laid out in the third one the most since you're there so often it's a lot more fun to go around and like see where all your friends are on the citadel and like talk to mm-hmm. them and kind of get an idea of what they're like on their day off so <laughs> yeah i think that three is definitely if i had to sum it up i would say that two has the best like characters and writing but three is the most polished which is why, you know, I wish they had brought a lot of the elements from 3 into the second game. But, you know, yeah, they're both decently enjoyable. I think it would be a tie between those two for me. Funny is that's my exact same answer, too. I thought that, like, <laughs> it was going to be 2 in a landslide. Um, because I 2 was my favorite for the longest time. I love the characters in 2. Um, and honestly, like, that's what gives 2 the edge is the characters. Um, and I feel like three after, like after finishing two and having like that big party and then like just having like, honestly, a very underwhelming main party and three, it's just like, it's, it's such a drastic change and it makes three feel worse. Um, but at the same time, there are so many quality of life changes and just mechanical adjustments and, and like the Citadel is much easier to navigate and more enjoyable, um, in three that i really do appreciate it is very polished so that is honestly my exact answer also i also i mean three's <laughs> dlc slaps too like three has yeah, amazing true. DLC. i will say even though you're a heretic that flare shadow broker fucks so 
Um, Two I, technically wins in good DLC because it has stolen memory and layer of the shadow broker. Yeah. Oh yeah. Stolen memory. It, is really I, good. it has Kasumi. We haven't even talked about Javik even. Oh my god. Yeah, it's because he fucking sucks. <laughs> I like Javik. I think they did him terribly, but I like the idea of him. I like yeah. the idea of him, but I don't like him. Like the the, the whole like. You're supposed to feel bad for him because he was born in this time of, like, war, but also his people, like, were a colonial empire, and he is the <laughs> pro manifestation of vengeance. Like... Yeah. Just like, and then he, he has, just, like, talks down and belittles have. everybody. It just... I don't like him. I don't like him. He Jonathan. has DLC character syndrome. They just really... They thought of an idea for a cool character, but it wasn't cool enough to be in the main game. So they added him in later and then like really underwrote him. I, yeah, yeah, I don't like right. I don't like him. My I don't least like favorite he's always character talking down to people. My least favorite character in the entire series is Zaid. So Yeah, Zaid sucks, but I like Zaid in the Citadel DLC when he and Garrus are being fucking freaks together. Oh. That was the most I've ever liked him. <laughs> Yeah, he other than that, like in two, whenever I got him, I was just like, Man, you're so you're like fucking washed up Han Solo. Like I know who yeah, you're supposed seriously. to appeal for. Like I you don't appeal he's to me. He's worse because he's, he's so like boring. A, he he's like he's he's like washed up Han Solo if Han Solo was a serial killer. He's got nothing going for him really. Except like, that one bit in Citadel you'll see when he and Garrus are being freaks. I do like, kind of like the premise of his loyalty mission, but like oh, his yeah. character is about... so underwritten that like it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, that's just DLC characters in general, and we have talked about how he's like genuinely has very good reason to be pissed at you. He's like, you just stole twenty years of my life. I can't mm. believe you do that. Shepard just like get the fuck over it. He's like, okay, <laughs> like I guess I will. I mean, that's yeah, yeah, I suppose. Shepard's job is, is just to say, get the fuck over it to literally everyone so that they could <laughs> they perform their parts in Shepard's story. Exactly. Well. And that's Mass Effect. <laughs> I think we summed them up pretty well. <laughs> well, um, yeah, gosh, this was like probably one of the longest podcasts we've ever done. So I hope y'all enjoyed. I hope y'all took breaks. <laughs> and, um, did yeah uh bonnie where can people find you if they would like to follow you for more uh hot mass effect takes or just for esports stuff <laughs> oh well you can follow me on twitter at at bonnie q and that's q with four vowels so q u e u e because my actual name was taken by a spam bot from 2011 so mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> entire yeah, i thought you were just being clever wordplay I also think it is clever. It it does function as that as well. But if <laughs> I had my I actual name, I would I would be I would be using my real name. <laughs> <laughs> Ty, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at my real name, uh, Owothkeeper. Um. <laughs> Perfect. And you can find me at Wild Jessichu over on Twitter and Instagram. Talent Around is a product of Uppercut, which you can find on all social media at Uppercut Crit and UppercutCrit.com. If you'd like to hang out with the Uppercut crew, feel free to join our Discord. As always, the link is in the episode description. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you just can't get enough, you can head over to Patreon.com slash UppercutCrit 
and toss a couple of bucks our way to get it early, or even get your name right at the end, just like these folks here. Austin W., Alex Belling, Katie Merrer, Brian Hutchings, Cody Peters, Darren, Hannah Kim, Matt Burr, Jordan Ramey, Dale, Adam Manahan, Wheels, Jesse Vitelli, Eric Sapp, GameCrash.co.uk, Adept7777, Optional Objectives, Kenneth Shepard, Lucas Lyon, Eli Berg-Moss, Jason Coles, Adrian A. Rock-Williams, Matthew Flowers, Andrew Sherman, Colton Crow, Jesse Peterson, Jared Shu, DJ Kento, Cam Koenig, Quentin Hoffman, and Mikey Phillips. Thank you thank all you. so <laughs> Thank you all so much for your generosity. And thank you, listener, for palling around with us. Bye.